You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Understand the risk to our country. Freedom brings people together. You're listening to the We Are Libertarians Network. Learn more at wearelibertarians.com. Welcome to We Are Libertarians. My name is Chris Spengel. You are listening to episode, I believe, 322 of We Are Libertarians. Harry Price will be with me tonight. It is October 16th. I've had a major theft take place in my life. I had four hours of sleep last night. I couldn't take a nap. I'm very punchy. It's going to get real on this episode, so uh, I don't know that we'll go full Aunt Donna for those of you who have been with us a long time, but it's going to be quite the episode, so stay tuned and find out what I got, what, what was stolen from me. And we're also going to talk a little bit about uh, Pocahontas. And uh, more banning on the on the uh, social nets. So stay tuned. Right after these messages, we'll be right back. Warning: This show is for adults, produced by semi-adults. So the language is sometimes strong and offensive. Uh, I don't know what I said. Uh. Welcome to We Are Libertarians, where our goal is to help you sound smarter while talking to your friends. We examine current events from a libertarian perspective while treating modern politics with all of the irreverence it deserves. There has been lie after lie. We toss out the screaming heads, put people before political parties, and give context to the news to make you think. Now, here's our host, a 15-year veteran of politics and media, Chris Spangle. All right, everybody. Gonna have a fun show tonight. It's always fun when I'm punchy and in a bad mood. Uh, I don't know why. I- I've got a lot to get off my chest tonight. Got a lot to say. Uh, it- it's going so far that I'm calling for the privatization of all police forces. That's how angry I am tonight. We're going full Roger Paxton on the show tonight. Uh, so stay tuned for that, uh, yes. With me is uh, my buddy Harry Price. Harry, how are you doing? I'm going well. I'm well. Um. Har- Harry giving me lots of... Well, all right, I can't get into what you were giving me tips on, but you, you seem like you've you've had a day too because you came in and you're like, no coffee tonight, I'm drinking beer. Correct, yeah, I'm drinking a beer. Um, got home today, I know a wife gave me, made tacos and then she gave me the sad news that... My cat, Mr. Meowington, has passed away. Oh, no. Yeah. What a tra- tragedy. I know. And I, that didn't sound sincere, but what a tragedy. He is my asshole roommate who doesn't pay rent, craps well, in a bus. Yeah, was my, yeah, was. Thank you. Thanks. No, no longer with us, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's going to suck because it was a, you know, he was a good cat, you know, wasn't the best cat in the world. He, but see, you you made it an outdoor cat, right? No. No, 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 no. Mr. Bianchi was a very pampered indoor cat. Okay, all right. Yeah, he was very pampered. He doesn't like going outside. I remember the first time I tried to get him out on the front porch, his paw touched the concrete, and I was like, ooh, I don't like that. I went right back in the house. Yeah. 
No, that's how my cats are. Yeah, and yeah. Th- yeah. And then I remember. Were you, were you were you here for the time Muffins ran out the front door and got her head stuck in the uh, lattice out front? No, that was hilarious. It was it was traumatizing. I thought I think it was Boss Hog and Dakota were were on that episode, and they're like, "There's a cat." I was like, "Yeah, it's just the neighborhood cat." Mm-hmm. And then it was Muffins, and she had her head stuck. So yeah, very <laughs> not not outdoorsy cats. And if you have an outdoor pet, do you really have a pet? These people who have outdoor dogs, it seems like it's less common than when we were kids. Like, yeah. I, you know, I had a friend, they had a dog that was chained to a tree and had like a 14 foot radius. Like, that's not a w- any way to keep it. Yeah, people that, don't do that anymore. That's not a pet. That's a torture. You're torturing an animal. Yeah, we've damn um, near, we've, like, if it's a farm dog, that's different. But, like, we, we, we damn near raised dogs to, uh, the status of, I mean, we some, like, if you're a Republican, you see dogs as more valuable than Democrats, right? Oh, yeah. And vice versa. Oh, yeah. Well, like, yeah. It's different if you have an outdoor dog because you have acres for the dog to run. He's not chained up. He right. basically has like you know a territory, and he can come inside when he feels like. Same it. with the or barn he's got a house. Cat, yeah, right. he's got a he's got a barn. He's got a house to go inside of. Okay, that make okay that kind of and like an outdoor cat that you know they basically have a territory and they come back and they go inside the house when they need to. Right. You know they have a house to go into. Those are different stories. If you think having a dog is having it sitting outside chained up, eh, you don't really have a dog. Yeah, you don't have a dog. Yeah, yeah, uh, st- but yeah, I'm gonna miss Mr. Ellington. He was a really cool cat. Um, his full name is um, yeah, Mr. Meowington of the Castleton Meowingtons. But very pampered cat, very shedded on everything. Um, but you know, he was the really nicest cat. Very you know, well tempered. We he's been with us since we found him in an apartment comp in the apartment complex we used to live in. Um, my wife's mother found him because she was she worked maintenance in an apartment complex mm-hmm. and basically just heard kittens crying in the back of a uh, an apartment and you know and we pulled them all out and um, so we've been stuck with we had Mister Mountain stuck with him ever since even though but because you know we really like this one and he almost died we had to feed him to really get him to you know like get to the point where he's at but you know he's a nice cat uh, he. I only mostly only hung out with him. He's really piled like when you've been drinking to sit because he will sit there. He will just sit there and let you pet him and let you watch TV or play a video game. He will just sit in your lap and not move and just sit there. He's perfect for video game lap sitting. He was perfect. Yeah. There's a lot of different times of like uh, I remember streaming or something like that with him just sitting on my legs. He just sit on oh, no, my feet, just sitting there, not moving at all, and just being there, just uh, keeping my feet warm. Oh, well, was this your only pet? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, for the longest time, yeah. Because our other cat, um, she believed she was too good to be an indoor cat and wanted to be an outdoor cat and did not want to come back inside. Have you, uh, <laughs> just sitting here thinking, you know, what a way to start a show with a dead cat and, uh, uh, it reminds me of Casey Kasem. <laughs> and do you know what I'm talking about? No. All right, let's play this. <laughs> now, we're up to our long-distance dedication. I guess we should explain who Casey Kasem was. He, he, You know, forever, he was in the golden heyday of radio. He did the Top 40 Countdown. And, you know, back in radio, like, you, you didn't have... You had the record stores. Mm-hmm. But, really, you got new music. It, the, the, it was discovered through through listening to the radio and so kids back in the day boomers especially like they had to listen to the radio to find out what was popular 
So, you know, they couldn't think for themselves. They had, because they're boomers, they had to be told what to think. And, uh, so Casey Kasem was huge, big, big, like clean cut, Mm -hmm. very, uh, nice guy. But, uh, this is a a recording. So he used to do death dedications, marriage dedications. You'd write in and you'd say, you know, I want to dedicate this song to my lover, Jane. And so this is just a legendary recording. Dedication. And this one is about kids and pets and a situation that we can all understand, whether we have kids or pets or neither. It's from a man in Cincinnati, Ohio, and here's what he writes. Dear Casey, this may seem to be a strange dedication request, but I'm quite sincere, and it'll mean a lot if you play it. Recently, there was a death in our family. He was a little dog named Snuggles, but he was most certainly a part of... Let's come start again. From coming out of the record. Play the record, okay? Please. <clears throat> See, when you come out of those up-tempo goddamn numbers, man, it's impossible to make those transitions. And then you got to go into somebody dying. You know, they do this to me all the time. I don't know what the hell they do it for, but goddamn it, if we can't come out of a slow record, I don't understand it. Is Don on the phone? Okay, I want a goddamn concerted effort to come out of a record that isn't a fucking up-tempo record every time I do a goddamn death dedication. Now, make it, and I also want to know what happened to the pictures I was supposed to see this week. <laughs> this is a god, last goddamn time. I want somebody to use his fucking brain to not come out of a goddamn record that is, uh, that, that's up-tempo, and I got to talk about a fucking dog dying. <laughs> what is this fucking ponderous, man? Fucking ponderous. Ponderous, fucking ponderous. <laughs> oh, yeah, nonstop music. Rick Dees, let me get that phone. All right, you got a special request? Okay, I want a goddamn concerted effort to come out of a record that isn't a fucking up-tempo record every time I do a goddamn death dedication. All right, so that was a little... Rick Dees was an L.A. DJ, but... uh, So I'm just sitting here thinking, man, we got to do an upbeat show after we come out of a dead cat dedication. Right, And I just want to go ponderous, man, but I didn't think anybody would get it if I said it, but... uh, Well, we are very sorry. I couldn't imagine losing my uh, mittens or my muffins. Uh, you know, the time is approaching. They're seven and eight. How old was Mr. Meowington? Seven. Oh, see, that's scary. No, hold on. No, he's older than seven. Hold on. I mean, seven's young for a cat to die. It's not seven. He's been living with us for seven, eight years. Yeah. But he was living with Leslie's mother. I mean, pugs die at seven. Yeah, which her freaking pugs are still alive. And those are God's little mistakes. You're telling me. <laughs> I used to feed. What you, what, no, that's just them resting. Yeah, I used to. Uh, I used to take Lacey's mom's pugs and put them in my pickup truck, and then take them to Wendy's and feed them baconators. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I do to Aaron Ewart. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. But no, oh man, I want to say like freaking Mister Behind. It's got to be at least eleven or twelve. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, that's more realistic for a cat to pass away. Which was stinkus because it's like um because we. I remember it was I think Saturday that Lizzie's mom was, it was like I think you know because he was staying with her. It was like I think he had a stroke. I was like, you think? I was like, ah, he was a little wobbly, but then he started acting okay. So I was like, I'm you know I'll, I'll take him to the vet next week. Oh okay, and then listen, I know that this is a tragedy for you, but I've had a real tragedy in my life, Harry. Can Did we you? talk about me, please? Did you? Did you? We had a, I had a real tragedy. I had four tires stolen off of my car on Monday. 
Now, my grief is far larger than your grief. Was they alloys? They were nice tires. I mean, these were, you know, I, I in 2014, I bought I bought this car the month of the divorce. So mm. I wasn't thinking clearly. So I bought nice. And uh, yeah, they, they stole. I, I got the black package with the aluminum painted wheels. And mm. yeah, it was, it's uh, uh, more of a car that maybe you would drive than me. I would not drive that. Um, well, you know, people of. That Fiat abomination. People of your general. What with general what? With well, people who L- like Lawrence is what I'm trying to say. People yeah. who like cars with it's crappy a, transmissions. It's a cra- well, honestly, it, it was an, uh, the car was an upgrade from the Cavalier that you had. Oh, I had a Cobalt Cavalier. It's Cavalier, Harry. It's Cavalier. You're being uh, difficult right now in my time of grief. Sorry, I'm sorry. Think about me, please. I am. Let's talk about your Fiat. Okay. And so I, I know somebody's listening to this, going, "What a dick!" I'm like, I'm just kidding. Uh, so my uh, my name, I'm I'm finishing breakfast breakfast up. I drive a Chrysler 200, and uh, <laughs> used to oh, used to yeah. I uh, drive. Uh, I drove past tense. My, <laughs> drove. Uh, right now, little Meowington is driving the same car. Oh, uh, <laughs> so. Yep, rip the car and uh, Mister Meowington and uh, Elizabeth Warren's and Cherokee heritage. But keep going. All right, so I just got a note from my insurance agent saying I, any damage from the towing today is on them, not on us. Boo, boo, <laughs> boo. Okay, deep breath. Boo, <laughs> you're you're screwed now, bro. <laughs> I need a lawyer. <laughs> now I am in grief. <laughs> Can't stop laughing. You're so screwed. Let's let's just take a break here. You clearly have no, what, no, no, no. damage to your oil pan transmission. And that's where we started doing simple things, pointing out that we're meant to be in nature and be natural. And this is where we find the source that God made to transcend the new world order. And that's why they want to try to keep us out of it. I'm angry. I've had enough of these people. They're a bunch of Christian murderers gone. They're on giant death factories keeping babies alive. And selling their body parts. What more do you need to know about these people? social engineered it's not funny i'm sick of being social engineered it's not funny i turned i'm i'm just i (laughs) (laughs) i'm just thinking about like (laughs) watching the video and just thinking about your radiator your front dog house just like right 
eating it, bodying him out, right, into the concrete. <laughs> and then, and then, you gotta get the tow truck company to pay for those damages. <laughs> but if you're out, they're not. You're gonna be stuck in court with them for like a year. Okay. And you won't see any of that money. Because you have to pay to fix the car to be able to drive Because <laughs> the insurance company, they're just going to get you new tires and rims. <laughs> and they're going to be used. Because <laughs> they don't care about the... They may be new tires, but the rims, oh, they're going to be used. They're going to find... They're probably going to have another total crisis. No, oh, I have OEM coverage on my insurance. So they're they're getting me brand new... No, they're not. No, they're not. No, yeah, they are. No, they're not. Yeah. No, they're not. No, they're not, bro. No, it's so not. Okay, so here's what happened. <laughs> I'm sorry. Are you done? No. Okay, I'm good now. All right. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Okay, so 7.30 Monday morning, somebody calls in. And, uh, or knocks on my door. And I think it's Aaron Ewart being a bad friend, trying to be funny at 7.30 a.m. Or it's Amazon on point. And it's a neighbor. It's a neighbor who, uh, uh, hold on. I'm just hairy. I'm. (laughs) (laughs) See? Yep. Man, this is, this is. Oh man! <laughs> so I don't know if it's the beers, but this is funny. So, uh, so they knock on the door, and the neighbor goes, "Hey, do you drive a two, Chrysler two hundred? I said, "Yes." He goes, "Your wheels got stolen." Now, I spent pretty much all the money in the world that I had last week on uh, last month on new tires, seven hundred dollars worth of new tires, and uh, so I. Uh, was immediately pissed about that. And so they stole the tires off my car. They put it on bricks. Now, if you're looking at the car, uh, and you can go look at photos on my Facebook page or my Instagram. Feel free to go check those out. And uh, I, I, uh, I, I I was shocked. I thought it was... I, I didn't think it was funny. Everyone else seemed to think it was hilarious. Um, but uh, I was just sort of annoyed that I was going to have to deal with this. Now I'm more than annoyed because now it's a whole issue. And so the uh, the tow truck driver came out today, and instead of putting any kind of donuts or anything on the uh, car, he just drug it up the ramp and broke the, the front fender off, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. dragged the oil pan, the transmission pan, all of it. Watching it bottom out in the parking lot. It's hilarious. You got to go watch it. It's on Facebook. So I literally just got a note from my insurance agent. You heard it live on air that uh, that's not going to be covered by insurance. It's going to be covered by the tow truck company. (laughs) Now, this could be a good thing. (laughs) Okay, please tell me. Because, right, they could... You know, you got them on video and them doing it, right? Right. As long as you didn't agree to anything like that or sign any waiver or anything like that, they may pay for damages or 
you might find out, you know, they'll settle with you and get you something else. Okay. But in all reality. <laughs> all right. Let me, uh, Jeremiah, are you there? I'm here, boss. Okay. Jeremiah, boss hog of liberty joins us. Oh, he's got sympathy. Uh, sort of. He immediately started shit posting me. Not not any consideration for my feelings on Monday morning. An hour after my car got hijacked, he just started memeing me. No, immediately it turned into uh, find time to lose me, loose wheel, and I started finding old nineteen nineties NASCAR clips of cars that had wheels coming off. <laughs> well, this is so quite. This had is some quite. Daryl Waltrip serenade. Oh, man, I mean, is awesome. anybody in the chat? Has anybody else gone through this? I, I, I usually drive POSs. Right. Or uh, I think like the RX-8, um, when I bought it, the car had like the worst curbed rims imaginable when I bought it. And I used that to get price off on the car. Right. Which uh, I'm glad now because um, that could have happened to me. That could happen to me. Well, what they were supposed to do apparently was put some wheels on it and roll it up instead of drag it. So how how in the world do these people get this off of their spangle? Did they just go ahead and drag it back off the off the off the flatbed <laughs> on the other end as well? Do you have a car left? Uh, that's a good question. I, I certainly hope that once they drug the gas tank off the car, that they're going to pay for the fuel they they drained out of it and the new gas tank. And by the way, all four of your your rotors are probably flat spotted. Oh, they are totally are. Yeah. They they ruined my rotors. If the if the if the uh, criminals didn't do that already, Harry is you're, crying. You're, you are. I, see, if this was if this had happened at the Moral household or the Aaron Ewart household, we would have gone down to the the pick apart and bought two hundred dollars worth of rims and tires, or borrowed them from a buddy, jacked the car back up, put it on put the put it on the crap rims. And then gone down to the big O tire and gotten replacement pimp, pimped out wheels quoted, mm-hmm. gotten a twenty five hundred dollar insurance check, and then still just kept the steel wheels, put new tires on it, and pocketed fifteen hundred bucks out of the deal. Yeah, but, but I, I considered but, that. Mm-hmm, but then mm-hmm. when I talked to a dealership, a buddy at a at a, at a a different guy who runs a tire shop, I talked to the insurance people, I talked to coworkers. They were all like, "Listen." You're going to be liable. So the way, so I had that idea too until I walked to the other side of the car later that morning and looked at how they had set it down. They had set one side up on three bricks and two or three bricks. And then the other side was just hanging down on the ground and the angle and everything was all screwed up. And I was just like, you know what? I bet they have completely screwed up all kinds of different things. So it's like, I want, I want the insurance agency to pay for all that, not me. So if I just, now they're, but this now is, they're saying that you're not gonna that they're not responsible for the uh, the, the, the problem with your the towing company that they hired. I assume they sent the towing company. You didn't just call that, Bob's towing, no, right? I have no idea who the towing company was. Are you even sure yeah. if this is the insurance company's towing company? No. <laughs> you got your car stolen. Somebody stole your car, Spangle. I hate to tell you, but... Uh, at this point, I, I could give a shit. You're at your out-of-pocket max anyway, so, you know, insurance deductible, 500 bucks, and you're going out the door. Welcome to adulthood. <laughs> yeah, but... Uh, right. Well, I was prepared for the $500 deductible, but I'm sitting here going, okay, well, the towing company better pay, pay for what their mistake they ain't happening, bro. No, they're going to because I will sue them. I have video evidence of how he did it. Good luck, bro. The front bumper is about 
2,500 bucks on a Ford Fusion, my midsize sedan. Uh, I, I may or may not have hit a raccoon at interstate speeds and they go through the bumper of a car. Mm. It's all just plastic and they have to replace the whole thing. So that's sure. what, that's what's going to happen to your car as well. You think that, uh, um, you think that Fiat front end's going to cost that much? That's uh that's 2,500 to three grand plus, you know, 2,600 on the tires. Yeah. And then God only knows when they, when they finally get it up on a lift to see what what's been dragging, I they don't normally build Chrysler 200 with skid plates for four wheel drive. So no, no, God no. only knows what this is going to be. Well, the 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 real shit part is if it's totaled, but then you know you got two companies paying. So <laughs> no, no, be- you've got the insurance company should handle all of this, and if they're not going to. You yeah. need to you need to hire an attorney and just have fun with it. Yeah. Uh, you, for the next thirty days, you should. This is where we're going to talk you back up. Now that we've broken you down, for the next thirty days or so, you're going to have a, a rental car. I hope you got a sweet rental car, by the way. I got a Nissan uh, Altima. It's the biggest piece of shit I've ever driven in my life, including my car. My Cobalt was better than this garbage. <laughs> it sure is. <laughs> just Carrie be glad will you tell you about get... the transmission and that being terrible. Yeah, when, when, uh, when just when be I glad hit... you didn't get the Versa. No, that's what I have. I have the Versa. Oh. I hit yeah. the gas pedal and it goes, Meee! That is like the worst. It's the worst piece of shit car I've ever driven in my life. What you have to get groceries and you put weight in it? Oh, it's even worse. I thought I was going to get stuck on a hill. I only buy fruits and vegetables and meat, so I'm Okay. Yeah. yeah. Be careful. Yeah. I loaded one up with like eight of those like water jugs. I I was got I got stuck trying to go up uh, Shadeland. It took me forever. Yeah. I think I think that you need to turn this into a bit and just call Dave Ramsey and explain to him what happened, and he'll think you're trolling him. I, I think I, you need to call into another radio I, show and explain just, your peril. I, I want Stone to call in. Uh, Stone, the, Stone, call in. But the other thing is, like, um, so this could be a blessing in disguise, you know. Okay. Car gets totaled out, gets paid off, gets gone, and we can get Spangle in a nice, reasonable Subaru. Harry, fuck off. <laughs> Honestly, I've had enough of you. You can leave. I'll do the rest of the show by myself. I've had Harry, enough of your I, ideas. Before I disappear, I will uh, I will uh, tell Harry that I'm terribly, terribly sorry for Mrs. Bigglesworth passing away. It's uh, Mr. Meowington. And Castleton uh, I, I will remind everybody that my name is on the ballot and we're spending a lot of money on an election. So check out JeremiahMoral.com. Uh, we're going to try to actually win a race for all of we are libertarians. There you go. Uh, so check check that out as well, Chris. I'm terribly sorry for your peril. Uh, I, I, I'm beside myself because, like, for me, the worst thing is I don't know what's going on or what's going to happen. So it's the chaos of not knowing that is just killing me. I don't know. I don't know that we can consider your neighborhood to be safe anymore. Mm, if if it would make you feel better, I I oh, can no. talk to Sarah. And maybe we can clean out the garage out back, and you can you can move in back there for a few months until you get back on your feet, buddy. I would rather have them put my car back in the parking lot without the wheels on and live in that <laughs> than live. I than listen, live I don't on have your running water back there, but I do have electricity and and really good Wi-Fi. I once spent time with a young lady that lived in your house for six months. And she said it was the most excruciating. Every moment was just the most excruciating moment of her life. That was the long. That's that one month felt like the longest six months of her life. Uh, it sure did. <laughs> <laughs> this is All my right, life. Man. All right. Good. Good luck. All right. Thanks. We'll see you later.
Check out Boss Hog. We got Tom Furkin off on this week. Candidate for Congress. All right. <sighs> so, listeners, I uh, found this nice Subaru. Also, 17. if you want to buy some microphones, <laughs> I've got some microphones for sale. Uh, SM7B, $300. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Beta. Beta uh, SM58 Beta, okay, hundred dollars. Uh, we're doing a fundraiser here. We've got lots of old equipment that needs to go. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So uh, Daddy's got a deductible that we got to pay. <laughs> uh, spent all of his savings on tires that were promptly stolen off of his car. So uh, yes, and uh, uh, you should have used wheel locks. Fuck off, you two. Don't even comment. You should have used wheel locks. I don't even care. Uh, Wheel locks are stupid. Wheel locks don't do anything. They don't do anything because, like, I was like, oh, you got wheel locks. Yeah, you think your key is so unique. Trust me, if someone wants your wheel off, that wheel lock ain't going to do shit. Yeah. I could take that wheel off with, like, basic hand tools. All I need is an impact um, that is smaller than that lug nut and a hammer. I put that over the lug nut and I hit my impact on it. Your wheel lock comes right off. It does nothing. All I'm saying is... I just destroy your stud. That's all it does. Join the Patreon... Your support on the first of this month, the next of the next month is the most important Patreon of all time. So please, I should show you that wheel lock that I got that I did do that on to get a wheel off that someone got because they lost the key. So if they totaled this thing, that that we were talking before, like man, that'd clear off debt. That'd be great, right? Yeah, yeah, and we get you in this nice nineteen ninety four Subaru that I found in Michigan. I'm not going to Michigan to buy a it's Subaru. It's a beautiful Subaru. 94 Subaru, all-wheel drive. Got tinted windows, subwoofer. Okay. All right. Five-speed. Okay. Non-turbo. That's, you know, that's 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 classic um, Subaru Wagon Mafia. Hashtag Wagon Mafia. Now, Harry, hmm. I would never drive a Subaru in my entire life. Why? You look like a Subaru driver, if you shaved your beard, of course. <laughs> that was l- lesbophobic. <laughs> I don't know if that's a word. Uh, Stone's grilling. All right, Stone, you've let I, me down. I'm just saying that Subarus are tough, they're easy to work on, and the transmissions, if you get a manual, near bulletproof. So with Hondas and Toyotas. Yeah. Yep, it's okay. And no one wants those 90s, 90, like, rims. You know, because, like, they're 14, they're uglies. Um, like, the tires for the Subaru, the crappy all-seasons that I got, that I have, right. cost me $250 for four. Mm-hmm. Now, the snow tires, which, the reason I got the Subaru, um, those are a little bit more. <clears throat> Harry, uh... Not for nothing, I could care less about your snow tires right now. I don't, I, I don't, I have no tires and you have two tires. Uh, well, honestly, I have 12. Why didn't you? I have 12 extra tires. Why didn't you, in the re- house. Di- why didn't you redistribute? You know what the, you know what the driver, you know what the driver said to me? What? Oh, this isn't going to be good. <laughs> Those were his words. Uh, Stone, is that you? Let me see here. Stone, I bet he's muted. He's probably muted. Yeah, he's good old cl- classic Stone. That's a classic Stone move there. Mute himself. So your car did a nosedive in the parking lot. I, I got to be honest. So like, it's just a car, right? 
you know, there's it, 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 it's it sucked. It right. was it was kind of annoying. It's ten thousand dollar car. It's a it's a it's what ten thousand dollar car. It's a ten thousand dollar car that I've paid twenty two thousand dollars. You know, like I've paid. I'm halfway through my payments. I was going to have it paid off next year. You know, it was in de- it was an okay condition. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, and then you know, so then to have the tires, but then insurance is going to take care of it. So okay, they'll fix it. So mm-hmm. first world problems. It's annoying. Right. It's taking your time. Whatever. You know, I've got to pay five. Like what? What pisses me off is that I've got to pay five hundred dollars for someone to uh, to um someone stole my stuff and I have to pay five hundred dollars for the privilege. Right. Like that annoys me, but you know, I've, I, I'm, it's okay. I can figure it out. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, 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 so, but then today, as I'm standing there watching him destroy my car, dragging it up the ramp, I just felt so defeated. I just felt like so, you know, here it is. I'm having this thing that I have worked, I have spent, tw- I'm going to spend a total of $24,000 worth of work hours on, and somebody decided to come and steal my tires in 10 minutes and destroy my property For and, myth. and destroy what I've worked on, and it's just so freaking demoralizing, and it makes me angry, and I'm just like, ugh. So, Pubes. hello? Pubes. Aaron. Aaron. Go away. Could you behave, please? <laughs> it's been two years. Hannah, have you heard? Uh, have you heard any of what's going on? Uh, I just, I just got on here. I mean, I, I know the story, obviously. And so, so, I told you to have got rid of that car. So, my, uh, you, you've been there at every step. Every time there's been something wrong with this car, uh, Hannah Weber, who was on a week or two ago. Uh, my insurance agent said all the damage that that tow truck driver may have done is not under under them. It's on the tow truck company to pay for. <sighs> That's news to me. Yeah. Um, Good thing yeah. you videotaped it. Yeah. Is that all the video that you have? Just that very first segment? No. Yes, and I should have. I should have taped more. I, I realize that now. It's like in 2018, you just roll tape on every th- interaction in your life. We're, we're to the point where we're the Russians, where we have the dash cams. Yeah, yep. we need body cams for sure. Constantly. Yep. Uh, Especially to, if you're black. Except, a- except black. Aaron, your boyfriend, he does not need a, vo- a body cam. He cannot be trusted yeah. with one. You will, <laughs> he will incriminate himself for sure. <laughs> with uh, this is very upsetting. Is Harry with you? Yes. Is Harry on? Yes. Yeah, yeah, I I'm mean, here. we could have got at least four donuts on that car in no time. Yes. And all of this could have been avoided. I just assumed that the tow truck driver would know what he was doing. Why? Why? The tow truck I, driver dropped my car down a hill. It rolled down the hill and hit a tree. <laughs> what? It was fine. Yeah. This was, is a true story. I have, I have pictures. I had a 1986 Chevy Blazer. It was beautiful. K15 full size. And, uh, blew a, well, it blew a uh, intake gasket, which was repairable easily. Because it's a Chevy and Blazer. I had to have it towed home. The guy didn't have it hooked up properly. And uh, we were going up a hill in Martinsville. It uh, came off the truck, started slowly rolling down the hill. I got out to chase it. It quickly sped up to probably 50 mile an hour and hit a tree. 
<laughs> what, happened? what happened? What yeah. happened? If it hadn't hit the tree, it would have hit the uh, nursery on a new home, my neighbor's <laughs> new home. And they had a new baby in there. So Holy thank God it hit the tree. Yeah, yeah. so who, who paid? They bought it from me. I, I worked it out. Um, didn't I knew the guy, and I didn't want his insurance to get spiked, so he offered to pay full price for the blazer. He just wrote me a check. Ah, see, that may be the move. Yeah. Yeah. Is so replace I, the tires and then go to the tow truck company and say you've you've effed me over by my car or I or else I claim. Right. Yeah, That's it, probably not going to happen. It, We're talking about a K twelve Blazer, which is yeah, a, it, a much. It wasn't that expensive, cheaper. but they they may have damaged the catalytic converters and all the sensors and really screwed you up there. No, nah, the they, exhaust they, system. Yeah, they, yeah. Yep, exhaust system, the oil pan on the engine, um, transmission pan, transmission. Did they they confirmed all this or that because that are we speculating? This is our speculation. We're speculating because yeah, yeah. we yeah, yeah, we, we watched it nosedive in the uh, parking lot and then get dragged and then and then the front end ripped off. Right. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. That's not a good situation. So have we? Have you guys been talking about how I originally was like, let's not even you know your your original idea of just going and getting four wheels and tires. And doing it yourself. Yeah, just and then settle. Out of it. Yeah, settle with me. Send me the money. I'll get the four wheels and tires. But then when I really did an inspection on the car, I, listen, I ain't no mechanic, but I've worked on my own car enough to know, like, okay, that's really bent. That's really messed up. Uh, this, If I can tell that there's going to be problems with it, then there's going to be further problems than just four tires and rims. And that's the problem. Right. You did the inspection, not Aaron. And uh, <laughs> Harry, I... <laughs> I have worked on cars before, okay? Yes, I, yes, I, sure you did. I and- did. I did. I'm not I'm not as helpless as you all think. I let you I let you pretend, but I looked at it and I was like, "Okay, this is complete the the rotors alone were all I, I mean the rotors were bent and damaged just from the theft. So not even from the dragging of the car. Which is probably a lot, much more repairable than what we're dealing with now. Yes. Like, what sucks is we don't even know the extent of the damage. Well, I, I think Harry's yeah, point of what how happened when he what happened when he dropped it at the dealership when you weren't even watching. That's that's yeah, for sure. Uh, that's a great point. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is just sitting in a parking lot somewhere or just on the ground. I, I, I pray <laughs> that Blossom Chevrolet had the brains to look at the guy and go, how about we put some donuts on that? But I'm going to go with they didn't. No, I mean, and uh, yep. see, tow truck culture is maybe not. <laughs> Please uh, inform us of tow truck culture, Hannah. It's, I don't know if you know very many tow truck drivers, Just but one. being from a rural area where uh, decent employment is scarce, I know quite a few tow truck drivers. And while they are great people, they're, how do I put this, in that profession for a reason, or... Uh, I don't know. Like, I don't know how to describe it, but basically rule number one is you don't really want to put too much stock in your tow truck driver. Like these are guys that like carnage. Like they like, you know, they like, there's like juicy wrecks. There's like a whole following of like tow truck drivers share pictures with each other of their carnage. I, I mean, 
it didn't bother that guy at all when he was scraping your car across the concrete. You know, he seemed like a genuinely nice man who was like, uh, hey, I, you know, I go, so is this your fault or is this their fault? And I go, he goes, I don't know, but I don't want to find out. (laughs) Uh. Like, I'm just, why would you not have, you know, why would you not have, like, donut? How, I mean, how do you own a tow truck company and not have that on there? Yeah, you should have some kind of Something. procedure for this. You know what happens on a daily basis in Indianapolis. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean. <laughs> well, it happened to so what, eight cars in the complex? There has to be a better system in place, you know? Yeah. Poor stuff. I don't, I, I don't really know the standard operating procedure, but I know it's not that. All right, so the consensus is I'm pretty hosed. No, the tow truck, what tow truck company was it? Hell if I know. I can call the guy. Yep, stolen car. Stolen car. They handed, the insurance company called them. They set it up. I mean, I have the guy's number. I could call him back. Stolen car. See, this process just got a lot longer. Yeah. You have video from earlier. Isn't there a name on the side of the truck? Oh, that's a good point. Let me look. Let me look. Maybe I won't say their uh, name on there, but uh, Harry, will you help, please? Pour, help poor Stone, please. What what you wanted me to help Stone with? Uh, yeah, I didn't to get work the, off phone. I didn't get the actual tow truck, but uh, mm-hmm. I got the incriminating evidence here. That's good. <laughs> <sighs> That's good. All right. Um. Yeah. So it's gonna. I'm telling you, should have just waited. You know. So so the so here's and we're we're getting to the issue now, but uh, my my juicy life is almost over. But yeah, I was one of several people that got hit in the neighborhood, and this clearly is like a ring of professionals. And one of the cars was parked next to a cop car. That's how. <laughs> that's how ballsy these guys were. And my upstairs neighbor, who I talked to earlier, because he was sweet and asked, you know, hey, if you ever need a ride, let me know. And he he was like, yeah, I went around the neighborhood and I looked and I noticed that they were all American cars. And I go, congratulations. You've done more police work than the Indianapolis Metro Police Department has done. Because I called the police. They took a statement. I go, so is somebody going to come out and look at this? And they go, oh, no, I'm just taking your statement over the phone. I go, so you're telling me that felonious (laughs) theft has just taken place and on multiple cars here. And you're not coming out to take a look at it. Uh, we just don't have those resources. And I, I hit the roof. I was just so pissed. Right. Well, if you had weed. <laughs> That's right. I should have told them that I had my weed in the car. And then they would have come and done a full th- th- print. Oh, yeah. Dusting. Yeah. They would have gotten. They would have been looking for my prints. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't believe how much cocaine was inside those tires. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out. I'm out like a half a million dollars. Right. Yeah. If you'd have said that, yeah, mm-hmm. they would have came out. <laughs> um. <laughs> has anyone like checked Craigslist yet? I, know, did. I need to do. Did that. you really? <laughs> yeah. No luck. No luck yet. I looked at like Cincinnati, Chicago, Louisville, Indy. Why Chicago? Because usually they'll steal them in one city and go sell them in the next. Yeah, cross state lines. Well, that's why I'm such a target here is because we're right off the interstate. That yeah, exactly. and, and a mix of other things, including <laughs> just yeah, 
They're on somebody's 94 Sebring down in Memphis, Tennessee by now. Right. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Well, it's good talking to you. Thank you for calling in and telling me how screwed I am. I needed a real man like Hannah to tell me what was going on. Yeah. It's... It, oh and, to, my gosh. and to fill us in on tow truck culture. Yeah, I wish I could elaborate more on that, but uh, that, that's a different that's a different topic here. All right, guys, I'll talk to you later. All right, have a good night. All right, all right. Let's uh, see if we can't get Young Stone because uh, Stone has a totally different perspective because he, you know, here's the thing with Stone, he's very young. He's such a young boy. Young. Ringing him. Now, Stone is 21, 20, lives in Georgia. And uh, he's our memes or. He uh, posts all the memes on our Facebook page for us. Hello, unknown. Hello, Stone. How are you? I'm okay. I'm all right. So Stone is our memes are. You're doing a great job on the memes, by the way. How fire are these Elizabeth Warren memes? Um, they're they're extremely extremely fire. Um, some of the most fire memes we've had recently. We've had nothing but Kavanaugh for the past month or so. So that's good. Yeah. So it's good that we finally got something else. Stone is the moral conscience. Uh, this twenty year old is the moral conscience. Are you twenty or twenty one? I'm coming up on 21. I'm I'm gonna try and make it up to Indiana right after I turn 21. Awesome. I've got a a month and like nine days or something. Now he's a very nice boy, and he's our memes are. So he, uh, he, if you comment on the Facebook page or especially the Instagram, I don't. You don't read the Facebook comments, do you? Um, I try to, but uh, I'll probably reply to your comment at like 1 a.m. after I get off work, and so most people don't reply back. What do you do in these days? I'm still working at Kroger and as a janitor, so I've got I've got plenty of things going on. Now, and and the Instagram especially, but he's doing a great job. But uh, Stone, uh, if you think you can't donate on Patreon, Stone is twenty and got a you got a prepaid card to become a Patreon member, didn't you? Actually, I think I opened a bank account to, uh, to become a. Uh, I no, I didn't open a bank account. I had a bank account. I got a debit card, which I was refusing to get up until that point. So, uh, yeah, so he, he I was going to spend more money, he, <laughs> and I am. He sacrificed for We Are Libertarians. Now, uh, Stone, you made a comment earlier about how I appear to the outside world. How how do I appear to the outside world? Would you say? Um, I would say that maybe, maybe, possibly to the outside observer. Now, this this is definitely not correct. Um, but maybe you might appear as a little bit boring. Okay, why is that? Well, because you have a, you know, a fairly normal job. You know, it's it's a little on the the less boring side. It's certainly less boring than uh, cutting meat. Right. But uh, that's not a euphemism. And then you run <laughs> podcast for some of the nerdiest people in the world. Right. All right. So so I appear boring, but how would you describe? You've been in the Facebook group for about a year now, six months. So you you've seen the inside. You, how would you describe the life of Chris Spangle? It's I I'm gonna have a, a very hard time describing this, but it's like a beautiful dumpster fire. It's like <laughs> just the most gorgeous display of backwoods fireworks you've ever seen. 
beautiful. Now, would you say it's the universe testing me, or is it self-inflicted? <laughs> I think, yeah, I think God's trolling you. I think I think God has seen seen us all trolling, and he's decided he's going to troll us now, one by one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't. I, I feel like I bring some of it on myself, but, uh, I mean, I don't know. What do you think, Harry? I mean, my life seems to be a constant reality TV show for this audience, and I don't mean it to be that way. It just seems to be turning out that way. I agree with Stone that you bring this upon yourself because that... Um no, he was saying he's saying oh. I didn't. He's saying the opposite. No, 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 no. I, I, I really, you know, I heard Stone's real words, and you bring this upon yourself. Because if you were living in Henry County, um, next to the Boss Hog, if you bought the house next door to him, all right, I'm turning off his microphone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not moving to Henry County. These guys, when this happened, they immediately started hitting me up with Henry County links. I'm like, I would never live in Henry County. You have no Chick-fil-A, and then you'd want me on the Boss Hog every week, and you wouldn't pay me. And, and that's not how it works. I mean, you could move down here to Bibb. It's a, it's a whole lot less, you know. I feel, that if I, lived, I feel that if I lived in Georgia in the South, I would get in so much more trouble because I would be around rowdy rednecks all the time, drinking moonshine. And then it, it, oh, it, could, it would yeah, it would be good. Could you if you think the influences you have there are bad, <laughs> you ain't seen nothing. Think of the swamp ass. It, it so it, if it seems like I'm pretending for the show, Stone is here to validate that my life is really just this nuts. Oh yeah, no, everything doesn't go on the show. A lot of the stuff that that we hear about, it doesn't make it on the show. Ha- has there been anything that you're just like, wow? Um, the tires, <laughs> I didn't want to have a good laugh, but I did, I did laugh at the tires. <laughs> I actually thought, I actually thought that somebody might have pranked you and stole your tires, but <laughs> I, I don't know. I still don't know. I think they might show up on your, uh, your back porch at some point. There There's was, no telling. there was a rumor that Jeff Vibbert drove in from New York City and, and stole my four tires, but mm-hmm. that, we, he, he mm-hmm. says that was just a joke. It wasn't an actual prank, so... I I would not be surprised. It could have been me. You don't know that it wasn't me. Well, I true. do have some tires in my backyard. All right. Well, listen, guys. If you if you enjoy the memes, how how what's the best way for people to send us meme stone? Is it just to post them in the Facebook group? Do you want them to send them to you directly? Should I set up an email? Like, what's the? Should I turn on messages on the Facebook page? I don't want to do that. What's the best you way? You know, for- I, was, I was thinking about this the other night, and I think what I'm going to start doing is uh, um memes are mondays or something like that and i've got to come up with a uh, a catchier name in which um people can sacrifice their memes uh for dear leader and for the cause and uh i'll give you a like if if i decide to post it All maybe right. if i if it makes me laugh and i don't decide to post it because there are so many good memes that i just can't post because they're too awful but they do make me laugh the the so if, <laughs> if i haven't posted your memes before the, a lot of times that's the, that's the case. Yeah, the N word really ruins a lot of good memes, <laughs> and not in the bad N word, the good N word, right, Harry? Just say something, Harry. <laughs> no, uh, yeah. So, all right. So, check it out. Join our Facebook group. Uh, find it at WeAreLibertarians dot com. You can join the Facebook group, and then uh, yeah, you can find Stone in there. Tag him in the group on on a meme, uh, or send it to the inbox at the uh, Instagram. And uh, you don't do the Twitter, right? I do the Twitter. Um, 
Yeah, I try not to put words in your mouth on the Twitter, and that's mostly what Twitter is, is, is talking. And so I try and stay away from, from creating controversy as much as possible. Well, that's not true. Yeah, but you know I, what I mean. You, you, the best, maybe the best way is go to the Facebook page, Mark C. First, and then when you see a meme pop up, just post in the comments those memes. So, so yeah, there's several different ways. I'm going to try and post a, uh, a weekly post where you can just put in the comments uh, whatever memes you have. I so think I think meme. Be on the lookout for that. I think meme Monday is a really good idea. So let's do that. So yeah, and, and if you see Stone online, thank him for all of his efforts. Uh, he has grown the Facebook page by leaps and bounds. I mean, we've added like ten thousand new likes because of you. And unfortunately, we're going to lose all of those by twenty twenty because of uh, the zuck, the zucking. Yeah, the zucking. Ha- have you noticed any kind of like as you've watched the page over the last six months? Like, have you noticed any kind of changes? Um, it's growth has been real slow because I can tell we're picking up a lot of, a lot of new people, but we're also losing a lot of the old people. Yeah. So, uh, that's my fault. So it's kind of been, I'd say two steps forward, one step back. I think we've been growing a little bit. We did finally, we started out at 90,000, uh, back before I was running the page and it was, it was down a ways. And then we started moving it back up to 90,000. I think we're back over 90,000 now. Uh, Instagram, we've gained over a thousand followers since I've gotten on there, which that's my platform. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm generation C. That's just where I thrive. I don't Uh, even, I don't even have the Instagram link to my phone anymore. It's just all you baby. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm doing my best. Uh, some days I get a little overwhelmed. So yeah, as, as many meme contributions, is possible because it takes me like two hours to just scrolling down trying to find one big thing is that we use up so many memes that a lot of times I'm scrolling over the same memes that you know we've posted two or three days ago. Uh, I and have, so it takes, me, it takes me forever to find good memes. I have I have screenshotted so many We Are Libertarians memes to send you the meme and only to realize that it came from us. So you're doing a great job. Yeah, we get them sent in all the time, and I was like, I posted that two weeks ago. All right, buddy. Well, we'll talk to you later. We're going to start uh, railing on the police, so uh, I, I'm going to let you go since you're you're you know you're more of a right conservative. I don't I don't know if that's a good idea, but I'll 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 let you get to it. I can't watch you on YouTube, so I won't know until about tomorrow sometime. All right, we'll talk to you later. Bye. Right. Poor Stone needs a real phone. Uh, so. <laughs> Listen, we've not had an episode where we've just bullshitted for like 30, 40 minutes in and forever. So uh, I thank you for your indulgence, uh, for the indulgence. It, f- it feels very cathartic-ish. Uh, I am going to have to uh, get a refill on the Klonopin. Has <laughs> any, anybody got weed? Uh, Daddy needs some medicine I'm uh, so I can sleep tonight. I'm I, See, things like this, Harry, get me really like... It, it, it is. I want my world orderly and stable so I can focus on other things, and that is not happening right now. Sorry, I was trying not to laugh about your car. I keep thinking your car just nosedive in the parking lot in my head, and I just try to not to think about it right now. I'm sorry. So here's the thing, okay? <laughs> I, I, I guess what here's what makes me the most angry out of all of this. I can rationalize someone stealing someone's stuff, okay? I can I can understand criminal behavior or addict behavior 
And I guess I can, I, I don't condone it. I don't dismiss it. I'm very angry about it. But I, I, you know, like, I don't, I don't think about who did it. It's just kind of like, this thing has happened. I've got to deal with it. You know, your father takes care of the birds in the air. He's going to clothe you just fine. So it's, it's like, it's one of those deals where it's like, all right, I just need to respond to this with a calm manner. It's not a big deal. I'm not in any bodily harm. It sucks. But there's, I can't, I can't go find who did this and return it. It's just how it is. So here you got to call these people. You've got insurance. You're blessed to have a good job that can afford the outrageous expense of the insurance that I pay each month. I'm not paying progressive prices. I'm paying high prices. Who love my progressive insurance? Which is why I'm getting a, a, a rental car every day. But so, you know, so it's like, okay. Uh, you know, I called the insurance agent. It took a day and a half to get back to me. I'm a little irritated by that, but it's like, okay, I'm sure I'm just a lion on an, you know, he's got 15 other people to call today and mm-hmm. all right. A little annoyed about that. The, the tow truck driver just with the gross negligence that, that has me, that has me, that, that was the moment when I was just like, all right, F this. Um, but you know, I have, I have come to sense, and I'm going to rant about this before we get into the police. Um, but I, I feel right. I, I'm going to talk about a lot about how I feel right now because I, I I have noticed that when I talk about how I feel, a lot of you go, I feel the same way, uh, and we've got evidence of that based on my police post. You got a knocking at your door. What? Someone's knocking at your door. Harry, get the door. I didn't hear anything. Yeah, someone's knocking at the door. Go check. Why do I have to check the door? Well, you because you have a gun. <laughs> <laughs> I just I find myself being annoyed. Hello? Harry's at the door right now. Is there somebody out there? Yeah, there's somebody out there. All right, answer it. Somebody ordered us a pizza. <laughs> yeah, we ordered a pizza. It's Stone. Stone just sent me a note and said he ordered us a pizza. That's okay. <laughs> That's very funny. Uh, <laughs> oh, we just got it. This has been such a disaster of an episode. I'm so sorry. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We are libertarians.com. So look at that. See, Stone is a janitor, and he's ordering us pizza. It's so nice of him. I I I look at the. I hope you tipped him. Did you tip him? Did you write a tip on the thing? Oh, oops. You didn't tip him. Wow, way to live up to the stereotype, First Harry. First off, you can do that, right? Online, that all I have to do is just sign for it. I don't know how to do that other thing. <laughs> all right, so my, I find myself being frustrated by this feeling that these big companies have us by the balls. I have this feeling that, uh, you know, I'm I'm sitting here and I'm just this little guy who has few resources in life. And I pay for a service every single month, 
And then when I try to get my money back or I try to do something, I'm the inconvenience to these people. And then they try and say, okay, well, it's not this, it's this, and it's going to cost you X. And you're like, what am I paying you on a monthly basis for? It's like, well, this is just the rules. This is how it is. And it seems to be, it seems to happen constantly. And I just tweeted out, and it's like my most popular tweet of all time. Being an adult is just an ongoing series of $500 expenses. Every single company that you deal with just seems to have this attitude of, nah, we're going to charge you. We'll send you to debtor's prison. We don't give a, we don't give a fuck about you. This is our rules. Give us another $500. It, it's the government. It's insurance companies. It's hospitals. It's my apartment complex lost a money order last year. So let me be honest. Sundance Apartments on the south side of Indianapolis. I probably shouldn't have said where I live, but I don't care anymore. I used to really like living here, and I don't anymore. And I'm thinking about moving very soon because of the way that uh, the way that things have gone over the last year. I mean, Harry, you know how much I love this apartment, this location, the fireplace, the back porch. You're in an abusive relationship with your uh, apartment complex. And I've finally woken up to it. Good. Because they lost my money order, and then it cost me another $600. It, I just got the refund check a year after the, I bought that first money order. And then the entire time, it's, I'm sorry, you just need to pay your bill. It's this attitude of, I'm the one who did wrong. It, it, it goes to the insurance company. I'm sure I'm just sitting here going, you know what? I don't want to deal with this because I don't want to have to fight the insurance company and then threaten to sue them and then have to go find a lawyer and pay for that to try and get these people to do what they're supposed to do when I pay them money. And I'm so sick and fucking tired of dealing with companies that I pay money to treating me like I'm a child, treating me like I'm a little baby and you just need to pay your allowance and you need to do your chores, and the chores is pay me more money because we're, we're, we don't give a fuck about customer service. And I, I don't know if you're experiencing this, if it's just my own bias, but I just on a day-to-day basis when I do adult things and when I interact with the, the various expenses of being an adult, I'm dealing with people who just don't care about you in any way, shape, or form. They're just looking to steal another $300 out of your pocket whenever they can. They're going to change the rules on you at any moment. You know, like when I tried to pay my rent last month, for instance, it took 17 days to pay my rent because they, within a week, sent out a notice saying, no more personal checks, no more money orders. I always paid by money order. Okay. Well, we have this new system, and you can pay online. Nice. Finally. Yeah. Paying online was down and doesn't work. And then the whip system that they had didn't work for 17 days until finally I said, I'm not getting turned over to the collection agency to pay another $200 because you're not offering me a way to pay. Figure it out or else I'm just not paying my rent and I'm moving. I, I, I'm I, I like – and then you go to the whips people and they just don't give a – like it, it's just you, everybody you call. Nobody is in charge. Nobody has takes any responsibility for everything. The entire world has just become, well, I'm sorry, I can't help you. You'll have to call this number. And then you call that number and they go, you're going to have to call this number. And it's an endless loop of numbers you're supposed to call and nobody does anything and then they just charge you money because they're incompetent. It's like the government has come to corporate America. Yep. Well, uh, which is worse, I think the most egregious thing, right, with your apartment complex is that they not only understood that a lot of their customers had their rims and tires stolen off their car and put on bricks, right? They're 
own towing company put stickers to tow these cars for improper because they're on carjacks they put all these stickers on violation like they did this on purpose like someone purposely oh did this to my car and then so they probably goes like you have three days to get this fixed we're gonna tow this thing it's like and it's ridiculous there's like no compassion from there none none whatsoever so it, that, that is a great that is a great point so the complex oops i forgot i should turn that light out please uh they the complex has at eleven thirty two hours an hour after i leave the complex in my rental car they slap a toe sticker on it and apparently the complex uh facebook group which i did not know existed until today the neighbor told me uh, he he said the people are outraged on your behalf because what balls it takes to threaten to tow you, and so this whole complex. I guarantee if I order organized a union, people would be outraged, you know. And every single person that I know that has ever moved out of this place gets slapped with, you know, oh hey come join here. You have no deposit or you have a ninety nine dollar deposit. You know, that's the redecoration fee. And then and then they get slapped with $800 worth of extra fees when they move out. And I'm not going to do it. I'm going to turn them over to the to the attorney general. Because here's the way that the world is working now. You have to know somebody. You have to know an Abdul who is politically connected to get anything done anymore. Because the companies, these corporations, and the government don't give a fuck about you and me. And so you want to know why a Donald Trump comes along or a Bernie Sanders comes along. It's because there is no outlet for us to say this is all bullshit because all of us are scared that if we speak out, we're going to get evicted or we're going to get our insurance canceled or we're going to get thrown off of Twitter. You know, there's a video that I saw on Twitter today. Here's a guy who put out an anti-Jack tweet and immediately all of his he was adding 2000 new Twitter followers a day or a Mm -hmm. month. And then it went to negative 500 after that tweet. Mm. You know, and so it, it, the the whole world is just a group of people in the sky waiting to punish you. <laughs> and, and that anxiety, I think, is really starting to play on people because people have feel that even though they pay money to people, it, it feels like slavery. And, and that's where I think the left, that's why that message resonates with people, because at a certain point, if I am forced to pay you money to give services to a monopoly like Indiana Power and Light, and I have no alternative, then and you're just going to charge me whatever you want. Or I go with an insurance company, and to get out of it, it's going to cost me thousands of dollars. And now, if I, I've dinged my insurance, so it's going to be harder to move. It's just like this set of incentives to stay where you're at. And then the incentives have become so much harder that you stay where you're at. And then they just it's, – it is. It's an abusive relationship on multiple fronts with multiple companies. Mm-hmm. And people at a certain point go, why the fuck am I living this way? Why am I giving these people my money? Why am I suffering this anxiety? That's why I think the Dave Ramsey thing has caught on so much is that people want that freedom. Yep. They want to be able to look at one of these companies, flip them the middle finger, and say, go fuck yourself. You have no power over me anymore. You know, I just I think there is a there is a slow burning anger in society at the people that we pay money to and nobody's talking about it yet. Yeah, I was in your exact same situation about 10 years ago when I first got like the Dave Ramsey equipment and would go through the whole like financial peace university. You know, you know, granted, a little slightly different, but it's the same way. Like I felt completely helpless. I was paying money for an apartment complex. 
at the time. Like, I still love cars. I love cars, right? Mm-hmm. So sometimes I would drive one car and I'd drive the other. And I would drive one for months because, I, you know, I, get, I have a, had a Camaro. I drove that one during the summertime and I drove my Neon during the wintertime, right? Well, my Neon would sit there because I didn't drive it. I got it to drive in the wintertime. And we'd all constantly keep putting toe stickers on. Oh, we're going to tow this car. Well, it's not moving. It's like, okay. You know, so I, I drive and I put it in our parking spot. You know, like, well, it didn't move far enough. Well, we think you're pushing it. So they put a sticker on it. You know, like, what the heck? So I had to drive it, move it other places, move it around the neighborhood. And they, and the, it was the Camaro that was mortgaged. They kept going after it, coming after it every five, you know, every time. And then no matter what I did with that car, they'd come after it, you know? So eventually to the point where I would just drive the Camaro to drop off the, uh, just to drop off the, the rent check just so like, okay, it moved. See, it moved, it moved and put it in a different parking space. But even if I just kept putting back in the exact same parking spot, they chuck my tires and put a, t- put a tow sticker on. Right. You know, just you know, like, uh, and the, the tow company would just believe that like, like I was this whole thing, like the, like the only reason, like they finally left me alone when I got in a confrontation with an argument with them. And then they believed I was powerless. I didn't know anybody. They had the cops call that I was going to back down to police officers get in my face about it, you know, but you know, it was like it cars, not an abandoned has not been moved. It's clearly has been moved clearly from his photo, mm-hmm. not abandoned. I'm right here. Cars insured cars got uh, cars got a perfect title on. I could go over there, turn it on right now and move it right now for you, mm-hmm. you know? And then my biggest one is that I had a buddy for, also named Chris who owned a towing company. And so he comes up and he just puts, you know, like, and while he just sees these, you know, saw me arguing with all these, he kind of like read the situation, hooked up my car, put on his tow truck, took down the street. And just went, you know, it's like, and it's like, you know, just come by on lunch, you know, you know, and come pick it up, you know, you know, just bring me lunch. You know, I got your back, you know, by the way, this is delicious pizza. (laughs) But, and I, hit, and I always hated that helplessness with the apartment complex and the towing companies. You're, and at the people. Tyranny, you're at the tyranny of a college dropout. Yeah. Some 22-year-old girl mm-hmm. who is, who is oh, I'm so super fake and sweet. Yeah. You know, and, and it's just like, I've paid this particular rental company about $80,000. Yeah. And I didn't realize it until I did the numbers because mm-hmm. I lived in one apartment before with the ex and then now I've lived at the same company here. And you I would just have paid off my house twice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I've never been in a financial position until recently where I could afford a house and I could afford the the upkeep on a house. It would be like buying a precious jewel and then like setting it out in the like if if you can't afford something, then you shouldn't buy it. Like if you can't afford to take care of something, then you shouldn't buy it. And that has always been my position over the last like decade it's like i can't afford to do certain things because i was working for libertarians yeah i was i was working for radio stations i was pursuing my dreams i was making less than twenty two thousand dollars for most of my 20s you know and then when i did really start to make money i got divorced and anybody who's been divorced knows how that is so i'm just finally now at a point where it's like I'm I, I'm I'm able to. You know how big of a deal it was for me to save the money that I saved that I spent the tires on. Correct. Yeah, that was a big deal for you, and you felt accomplished when you did that. Absolutely. And so to have my tires stolen from me, to have that that saving stolen from me, and then to have a five hundred dollar charge on top of that to figure out what what can I sell? 
What? Who can you know? Who can I get a loan from? I'm back to that same fucking loser position because someone decided to steal my money. Yeah. And then on top of it, it's like, well, I, it, it just it's like it's just a constant series of the these expenses where you're just like fuck it's just never gonna end and i'm sure that's why i don't have kids because it would never end i don't have a house it would never end and so it's like i get why people have um so much anger you know until really like the last few days i mean because i've always i mean it's always been like I'm broke, but it's because of my own stupid behavior. Right. Yeah, stupid tax. It's when you start going, I'm going to really make an effort. Mm-hmm. You know, I traveled a lot this year, and I was good about my money, and I saved, and I... And then, you know, so you're always kind of on the line, but you're good, and then you just get to a point where you're just like, this isn't fucking fair. <laughs> like, you know? Like, it, it isn't yeah. fair that somebody stole my tires. It isn't fair that this company is going to dick me over. Now I'm going to have these two companies fighting. Mm-hmm. It's going to take months. And it's just like, I've got to deal with somebody else's bad fucking behavior. Right. You know, I've got to deal. And these people don't give a shit, you know, because they're just making easy money. And there is a very real sense that I feel sometimes of why be a decent person. Why be a decent citizen? Why be a decent taxpayer? Why be a decent? Uh, why treat a company with respect? You know, my honor says that I ought to treat these companies and pay on time and do what's right. And you know, it's, you know what? Fuck the bank. The bank rips off taxpayers. The bank rips me off. They're crooks. You know, fuck this apartment complex. They've taken eighty thousand. I pay them eighty thousand dollars, and they don't have any respect for me. None. Fuck this insurance company. I pay. Uh, I pay probably twice what i should for insurance and then you're gonna get some rental company that this towing company that fucks my car up fuck you and then it just goes on and on down the line and then eventually you just get to a point and you go why even bother why pay your bills on time why be a decent person why treat people with respect why not cheat on my wife with a porn star because then i could be president if i wanted to be you know and so i think we see sometimes these incentives to just let our worst nature take over because we are given, we just are constantly seeing people who live by the worst nature uh, possible succeed, and it's just very difficult, you know. And so I'm in a very, very much in that headspace tonight. But it, it, it is imperative that you that you really like work through these moments and just go, okay. The reality is <laughs> that if everyone just if if there aren't people who are trying. If there aren't people who are trying to be decent, mm-hmm. there aren't people who aren't just willing to hate others because they think differently or X, Y, and Z or not pay their bills or if we're all just going to check out, then society goes to hell. You People have to stand up and give a good example of what it means to, to do X, Y, and Z. But I will admit that it does. Sometimes you just go, I'm a good citizen of this country. I care about I care about people and things and it's just like it, it just you get to a point where you just feel like this society is just built to fuck you over for $500 at all times. Yeah. And yeah. that's why like in the days of they always talk about having like that $1000 emergency fund. Yeah. Because these $500 charges they just come up and they just screw you over. Yeah. Like um I remember when the tree branch came down and went th- through the RX-8 
And I called my insurance company trying to get it all fixed, and they thought they could shut me down too. It was like, well, sir, your deductible is going to be $500, and you might as well just, you know, just get the glass and just fix everything else yourself. You, you know, like you're trying to, get, you know, basically get me off the phone. Right. But I knew. I know my car. I know the shape of the glass. I understood how much this, everything was going to cost. It's like, listen, no. No, I'm paying my, you know, $500 deductible and I'm dropping this car off. Right. And you're dealing with it. And, um, they're like, well, I'll just do a quick search. And I'm like, oh, and they was like, you know, like looked up because like, I know my car. I know exactly how much the sucker costs. That back windshield alone, that back, you know, the back glass on the RX-8 costs $900. That's the other thing. Why does the front bumper of a, uh, 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 that is a piece of plastic cost $2,500 to replace. Shape, and the only people that make it is the company, is the Chrysler. Well, fuck Chrysler. Yeah, uh, pretty so, much. Uh, so, so as much as I'm, I, I'm angry at uh, just the situation, you know, and the criminals, and th- this, this just notion that I think most people have, it's just like this constant punching in the face, you're never going to get ahead, you know, you work for us, even though you're the you're the one paying us one hundred and fifty dollars a month. True. You know, because what are you going to do? Call the cops? Ooh. Because the apartment complex calls the cops in that situation because they know. Oh, gee, the black man's not going to get sided with versus the apartment complex. The cops right. are going to use their force of their gun mm-hmm. to make this individual do what we want to do. We want them to companies just as much as the government. The go- companies use the government to enforce obedience. Right. Intimidate. Intimidate you. Exactly they right. Wanted to, they was hoping that, all right, young black guy, he'll stand out. Right. The cop will show up, he'll get scared, and he'll stand down. Nope. Not happening. That's the tow truck's company. No, it's your insurance. No, it's your fault. No, it's the insurance. No, it's the, What are you going to do about it? Hire a lawyer and spend $1,500 to sue us to get $1,500 back? Yeah, right. Okay. So you're going to take whatever we give you. Correct. It's just that constant sense of obey us. You're, you know, and I think that's why like Chick-fil-A, for instance, does so well, is because you never know how powerful that tiny little thing. Like You interact with Amazon or Chick-fil-A. And it's just so delightful. It's like somebody is nice to you and is thanking you for actually using their service instead of here's your shit. Thanks for the money. You know, they next. Right. Next. You know, they they try to serve you. That's the difference. And there's just we have lost the the sense of service in work. And, you know, I think so. The Christian ethic of work is that God has called you to a certain career or job, and so you. I had I had an instance where I have a friend who, just a very critical person, and started this job, and just is very much uh, looking for any reason to hate it and hate her coworkers, and it's just kind of like every day is another complaint about the job, and you're just like, I'm like, listen, you're a Christian, you were called to this job. Because this is where God wants you to be. And if you're facing trials, then you're to meet those trials with gratitude because it's going to shape you into a better person. And I think there's, even if you're not a Christian, even if you're not a religious person, you're an atheist, there is a lesson in there. You you are in a job, and so your job is to serve the people that you work with and the customers that you work with and your boss and if you are facing difficult situations, then you are to treat that with 
with an attitude of how can I let how can I change how can this change me mm-hmm. as opposed to man fuck this corporation fuck this company blah 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 you know it's just like this everybody has this attitude towards their boss now that is so disgusting and it makes everybody else at work so miserable and it's just the American culture of work is so gross and it's making us all miserable as a result and it all it takes is one person going. You know what? This person pays me money. I'm going to show up every day. I'm going to bring my A game. And eventually, I may not I may not get thanked in the way that I want to get thanked. I may not get paid what I think I ought to get paid. I may not get benefits the way that I ought to get benefits. But if I show up and I have an attitude of service and gratitude as opposed to negativity and criticism and gossip, Maybe I'll maybe I'll be able to get ahead a little bit faster because I'll be a little more integral to the uh, job. I'll get more customers. I'll sell more product because I'm actually being somebody that somebody wants to interact with. I dealt with this woman, so we use Bluehost to host our website, and the online chat over the last five years has become unusable because it is people who don't understand what you're saying because we speak different languages, and so I've started calling the actual call in line. And, you know, several years ago when I didn't know as much about what we, what I was doing as I do now, I've been paying a lot for uh, web hosting. And I finally got a hold of somebody and she goes, you were sold. They got you. They suckered you. And so you've been way overpaying. So I'm going to take this off. I'm going to do this. I'm going to take this. And I go, is there any way that I can get your phone number so I can just call you directly? Because she was so nice to talk to. She was so helpful. She didn't try to rip me off. She criticized the coworker who did take advantage of me. You know, and I said, listen, I know I'm not using what, what you're getting. You know, and she saved me like $50 a month because she was nice. actually being of service to her customer. Instead of sitting in a call center going, I hate my job, I can't wait to get off work. You know, and so it, 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 it all has to start with us. It all has to start with us waking up every day and walking into work and going, this isn't the best situation, but what can I learn from this situation? What can I do differently? And, and it's an attitude that I try to have, but, you know, and I don't always succeed, and I can be a real awful employee sometimes too, just like everybody can be. But I think when you look at Chick-fil-A, that is a very real example of people would rather go to Chick-fil-A, A, because the food's good, mm-hmm. and because it just doesn't feel awful to go there. Treated like a human. You're treated like a human being. Thank you. Yep. Um, one thing, <clears throat> what I always like, uh, while you're in a situation, you're working in a situation like that, and you hate being there, and you want to leave, think about and reflect the decisions that you made in your life that makes it so you don't leave, that you can't leave. Right. You can't leave because you racked up $100,000 in student loan debt, and now you're here. You're not here because you decided to get a credit card and you wanted that big old 65-inch 4K television. You wanted that snazzy um, Infinity um, 350 you know, wagon. You wanted these things. You wanted these trappings of mortal life. And that just racked up debt. Right. And that has you here serving this master that you do not want to do. Yeah. So debt is dumb. Get out. Use cash. And it's the, and it's the most free experience that you can have. No. I, I mean, I'm, I, my, the last real debt that I have is this car. Mm-hmm. 
And I was hoping it'd get totaled, so then I wouldn't have that debt anymore. Yeah, and and you you can see that as your personality gets to is like when you just you know like, no I've got you know this I can work on as little as possible, and that means I can choose what job. I, like Lacey's making half of what she's been ma- she has ever made like an entire life right now, right? Because she doesn't have any debt. She has no student loan debt. You know she didn't kid herself and go to college. She knew she wasn't a college person. She yeah. didn't do that. She just went straight and work. You know and. She, you know, she racked up a car debt that she shouldn't have got, but she paid it off. You know, she was just banking cash and she sat there. It's like, and I always ask her, like, if you hate going in there all the time, you hate it. And you spend hours and weekends and you miss all this time. Why are you there? Yeah. You don't need that cash. You just want it. You don't have time. Early 2017, I was really miserable at my job. And, you know, I'll just kind of say this freely, but because it's different now. But, uh, you know, I really... I think the reason you saw in 2017 a change in the seriousness of We Are Libertarians is because I was like, I got to do anything different. And I gave myself the goal of leaving at the end of 2017. Now, things changed, and it's it's a joy to work there every day, and I learned a tremendous amount. And uh, you know, I there's absolutely nothing like at this point now where I'm unhappy with my job, and so which is great. But what I learned early on is that, okay, if I want to do whatever I want to do, then it's not a matter of income. It's a matter of budget. What are you spending? What are, how are you going to live your life? And, and so I've made a lot of effort to kind of get to a place where it's like, all right, I got to build this business at the same time that I'm paying down debt. And it's been tough. And I'm just trying to live more and more simply. And I was, Harry and I were talking, it's like, I have a $25,000 car. How do I get a $500 car if it means not having debt? How do I, you know, because then exactly. I can take that $500 and put it in a down payment for a house or mm-hmm. another car or, you know, and so that to me, is, it's also defeating because it's like, ugh, I had a way out and now this tow truck thing effed me. But, um, still a way. So it's I, always a way. We're, we're way too long into the episode for me to get to the point of this. And, and thanks to Hody Johns who's killing it on the daily episodes, uh, by the way. Um, so Sarah and, and, and everybody who's doing We Are Libertarians Daily, please go check out those episodes. Uh, but yeah, every day we're trying to give you a little bit of extra. We're trying to make sure that uh, we've got more voices out there talking about things that I may not care about. But like, for instance, the in vitro fertilization episode that Hody and Sarah did, not something that affects me, but I have had such tremendous response from that episode because it's so deeply personal to Sarah, and it is something that not a lot of people know about, and the people that do are affected by that, for instance, it's really like nobody's serving that hmm. community. And so so what we do try to do here is service. We try to uh, not sit here and go, I'm going to, trust me, if I wanted to do a show that made me famous and made me a lot of money, I would be Tommy Lauren. I'd be Dan bon- Bongino. I'd be... Um, you know, I'd be a Rush Limbaugh clone, or I would be the Tur- the Young Turks. That's the kind of talk that people want to hear. They want to have their ears tickled. They don't want to have thoughtful conversation. They don't want to hear all sides. They don't want to have the type of show that we have here, which is a community of people having a long conversation about items and, and issues of culture, society, politics, religion. Uh, and so... It, does it mean that I may never be able to do this full time because it's never going to reach critical mass? I don't know. 
but you have to prove me wrong. You have to get in there. You have to donate on Patreon. You have to share this show. You have to spread the word. And so if you believe in a show that thinks differently, that helps you actually have intelligent conversation with your friend because you're listening to us have conversations, you're hearing different perspectives, you're seeing your own life and the life of others, then uh, support this show. Sup- support us on Patreon. Uh, at, at five, ten, twenty-five, or a hundred dollars a month, you can do a yearly or uh, one-time donations at wearelibertarians.com/support. You can donate on crypto, but the only way to really keep this going and really continue to spread the word is to continue to give us the resources to uh, to support all these new people to give me the tools to have a staff of people who are doing research and who are recording episodes, and who are needing equipment, and who are bringing this content to you. Uh, you know, Because I do this all out of the Patreon money that you give me, and sometimes out of my own pocket. And uh, I'm fortunate and blessed to have all of you uh, on Patreon um, uh, helping support us. But you know, it, it is uh, always better if we can grow more. You know, uh, The reason I was talking to Bluehost about simplifying my bill is because I was tri- tightening the belt. You know, uh, and so it's always nice to not have to tighten the belt sometimes. So, oh, yeah. so you know, we've got to get microphones for some of our co-hosts. You know, uh, there's always stuff going on. Uh, we've got to pay deductibles. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, you know, and when, when something like that where money gets tight, it's like, man, I got to take a break from the from $150 worth of news subscriptions that I read every day. You know, we're just going to have to skip November. So it means I have access to less information. So, so when you make up that, then it, then it becomes less of a concern. Then I have to th- make decisions. So I never like to do that. You guys have really been great about helping us grow this, and I appreciate that. And uh, as a result, we're going to keep giving you a great product. We're going to give you thoughtful conversation uh, from multiple points of views, and we're going to help you sound smarter when you talk to your friends. And, you know, one thing that I saw in this... So here's how the here's how my interaction with police went. Yeah, um, <laughs> as the as the uh, tow truck driver was hauling the car up, a neighbor walked up and goes, "Police have any leads?" And the tow truck driver and I just looked at him and began laughing because <laughs> no, <laughs> leads, leads, <laughs> leads. So. What the police did is they took a report over the phone. They didn't send anybody out. Like I said, my neighbor who I talked to today, I go, he said, yeah, I just thought in the evenings you were listening to the radio. I said, oh, no, it's a podcast. But because it's a libertarian podcast, don't worry about sex noises coming from my apartment. Um, and so uh, and then he said the most terrifying words possible. You want to hang out sometime? No, no, friends. No, it's a very nice guy. So we will go hang out. But um, you know, it is. Uh, let me just read what I wrote on Facebook. In all seriousness, here is how seriously the IMPD took a major theft, three thousand dollars worth stolen off of my car. At least they took a report over the phone. The officer said I was one of a few that got hit in my complex last night, and one of their tires had their tires stolen while parked next to an IMPD car. I'm sure half a dozen cars contain some evidence that could be collected. Since they don't try to solve these crimes, which means there are no consequences, it causes theft to happen more often. I've had property theft happen three times in my life, and nothing was ever done. 
In 2013, I had an iPad stolen with GPS location turned on. I was showing the officer in the parking lot of a church where my iPad was traveling, up Alabama Street, and the officer looked at me and said there was nothing he could do about it. So I pay taxes for the false sense that IMPD protects me and my stuff and will bring justice to those that took my property. But when they fail at that, I am out $500 plus those taxes? Return my taxes so I can hire a more effective service because the monopoly that is government police protection and resolution is a total failure and it's costing me even more. That cop car I have since found out is the safety officer for the complex. So uh, it's like the sleeping security guard on Andy Griffith. Yeah, he gets a discount on his uh, rent too, by the way. Yeah, so to sleep peacefully while my tires are being stolen next to his car. In fairness to the police officers, it is a lack of resources brought on by legislative bodies with bad priorities. Uh, Police departments do have some leeway on what priorities they can enforce, but they still work for mayors and city councils. What if we stopped pursuing victimless crimes and actually put it into real crimes like murder, rape, and theft? Maybe we'd have the resources to stop tiresome theft ring, tire theft rings, or process rape kits, or solve murders. Uh, you know, and so I want to read through some of the comments. Uh, Doug, my buddy, or form one of our co-hosts, Douglas Carr, my buddy had recorded video of his car getting broken into. They didn't care. Former intern Ed, uh, my daughter's car was stolen. They found the car in the parking lot at the motel he was staying in with the keys in his pocket. Zero prosti- prosecution. Uh, Derek, uh, one of our favorite listeners. Same. I was a victim of a theft in New Orleans last year. To this day, I can still see the location of the iPhone that was stolen with a name and the address from an email that was sent from my old email account with a person applying for jobs. Apparently, this was not enough to do anything with. Uh, so... In Oregon, Shira, our listener Shira, writes, uh, In Oregon, all you have to do is say you didn't know the car was stolen and they can't charge you. The legislature refuses to take care of this. Jesse, these are just one comment after another, by the way. I was robbed in Broad Ripple in 09. She used my checkbook multiple times the next day before I realized it, including at the doctor's office. I had her driver's license number because she wrote it on the check. Still, nothing ever happened. My phone was stolen. The cops said there was nothing we could do about it. We went to the house and knocked on the windows and doors, and no one came out. I called the police back and told them where it was, and I suggested they show up. The man inside answered the door, and when they knocked and handed over the phone, he quote-unquote found outside. Nothing was done, but we got the phone back. Our friend Rex Bell had uh, some things stolen from him on a construction site. Nothing happened there. Uh, You know, Jennifer... Uh, my car was stolen and recovered a day before insurance would pay out. The people with the car left fingerprints, list of students and classes and which students wanted which drugs. And there was a driver's side mirror full of fingerprints in the trunk. All I got was a courtesy visit, no action. I spent another four to five weeks waiting for the $4,000 of repair to be done. The exterior, all new upholstery carpet, lots of cigarette burns, and the hood had to be replaced. They put 3,000 miles on my car. Nothing ever happened. Tamara. In Linton, I had my glove compartment forced open after they cut a hole in the convertible top. I asked the police what they what they what did they want in the glove compartment. They told me they were looking for guns. The police did nothing. They came back the second night for more damage. There are probably another dozen stories on this Facebook uh, post of mine of stories exactly like that, where they have rock solid evidence and nobody is doing jack shit about it. And so I say to you, dear listener, 
what are we paying for? And so th- this is where it's easy for people to write libertarians off as fringe. And that's not what I'm saying. I'm not trying to be fringy here or be an anarchist or try and sell you on an idea other than are you getting what you're paying for? Are the police actually doing what we're paying for? And I know we're not supposed to criticize the police. Somehow we have landed where the police, the fire department, and uh, firefighters, and teachers are no longer to be uh, criticized in any way, shape, or form. There's, there's some groups that are in public service that are absolutely 100% not allowed to be criticized or else. And the cops are one of those. But I have to say to you, it isn't a matter of individual police officers. I'm not here to bash the police. I'm, I'm not here to bash officers because the officers that you meet that are taking your report would love to do something about it most of the time. It's that they have structured the system to not let those officers do it. All right. Right. It is the police chief who sets his priorities based on what the priorities of the mayor and the city councils are, based on what the legislature has passed, what the Congress has passed. And so we have, as a society, we have to take back control of all of this. We have to take back control as consumers and as taxpayers. And so I, I, want, to, I want you to think about this situation. I had thousands of dollars stolen from me. It has wrecked a, a an investment. It's not a good investment, but a car nonetheless. If you buy, if if you're not leasing the car, you're at least looking to get something back out of the car at the end of it. You know, trade it in for four grand and get a new car or whatever. Not in a base model Chrysler, but keep going. Fuck off, Harry. And so, <laughs> genuinely, that was a genuine fuck off. I was annoyed with you. Um, go get me a piece of pizza to make up for it. Uh, and so the here, Harry, get me pepperoni, please. Be dear, thank you. Uh, <laughs> so, I, I have to ask you. I try to look at the government as a service, and I have to say, it, it is the monopoly that they have on their service serving us? And it is not. We have we have uh, a ton of tickets. We have checkpoints. We have people obsessed with drugs. But hey, do not take that in the bathroom. But we have. No, no investigation on stolen property. We have rape kits not being processed. You have like a 65% chance of not having your murder solved. Uh, so this is the country that we are living in, and we, the people, are accepting this from our government. And it's time to start saying to our, our legislators, our city councilors, our county councilors, or whomever, I'm, I'm no longer accepting a monopoly. All right? We need to actually start – and it starts with you changing your thinking. And you have to stop thinking of the police and the government as something bigger than it is. It is just another company you pay money to that has granted itself a monopoly because they have guns and can put you in jail. And the second you let take the fear out of your assumptions, the sooner we can get rid of this. And so – so one concept is private police, and you know we'll we'll talk about classic libertarian anarchism with Murray Rothbard in a moment. But I want to show you some examples um, again, thanks to Hody Johns for the research and helping with this episode. Um, you know, I want to show you some examples of local uh, counties that already are using private police officers. Because they understand that what we have now in terms of protection and restitution are not fundamentally working. 
so if you're not comfortable with the theory, no matter how logical it may sound, let me give you some examples. Um, this is from, let me go back to my show notes. Were you going to say something, Harry? I was just going to like add on to that. It's it's one thing to keep in mind when you watch those police action videos where the people show like watch these cops harass somebody on the side of the road for a speed ticket right. and watch the fishing ex- uh, exam going on. Well, you, you need to produce your ID and your registration. Yeah, but what for? Um, I can see in the back in the day when they cops didn't have access to the internet and be able to look up the database of on that you know license plate and everything that goes with it, but. Seeing a paper registration is silly. Everything yeah. should be pulled up from the database. You know, write this person ticket and let them go on about their, their merry day. If something else happened, go after the car. Yeah. So this fishing ick is uh, the so the time they won't take to investigate these small crimes are just crimes of theft. They are taking that same time to do fishing expositions on people who are, you know, on victimless crimes of looking for plants and flowers and stuff like that. Right. Or just looking for crimes on people. So to change your government, you're going to have to change your thinking. And that's what I'm trying to do with the open borders, with the privatized cops. I know that we're not going to wake up tomorrow and have uh, – we're going to end the government monopoly on police protection, for instance. But uh, as our good friend Jason Doolittle did recently, he lives in an area where – uh, they outlawed chickens in your backyard, and he went and met with uh, some of his city councilors. And lo and behold, they're now they have four chickens they're allowed to have. So he at least has four freedoms now, you know. And so that's nice because it, it, because he's a listener of this show, he understands the value of just being a decent person. And when you talk to a rational person, when you talk to a, a city councilor, and they see a, a reasonable, well dressed, normal person saying. You understand that this is these are these facts, and and I've done some research into this, and and X, Y, and Z, and he was he helped bring some freedom to his community, and it's because he changed his thinking. Instead of just going, I don't want dirty chickens next to me, he said, ah, this is an individual of people should be allowed to do what they want with their property, you know, and so you can make these in, incremental changes as long as you change your thinking first and start to think through this stuff, and uh, so I know that the private police thing is something of a. Like, ooh, that's really hardcore, scary libertarianism, but it's not. It's already happening in our communities, and this is from a 2009 uh, paper by Gil Guillory and Patrick Tinsley, The Role of Subscription-Based Patrol and Restitution in the Future of Liberty. Uh, They write, several counties have already contracted out their police force to private companies. It is not just advertised to the taxpayers because it sounds scary. The, The following list is just a few examples of places where private police are used. Oro Valley in Arizona, Reminderville, Ohio, Indian Springs, Florida, Buffalo Creek, West Virginia, Spring Valley, South Carolina. Even Boston, Massachusetts uses private police to any calls out of the quote-unquote projects. So the most dangerous areas of Boston, Massachusetts are actually patrolled by private police. Most railroad pay, most railroads pay for their own private police force. Uh, critical intervention services in the entire state of Florida are privatized. And in Utah and Arizona, campus police are privatized as well. Now, here's one of my issues with privatization. Privatization is good in general because we want, we want private companies uh, to do certain things because they have better incentives. There's more oversight. You can fire the company and you can bring in a new company. But the problem is when they become monopolies. When you have privatization, especially overseeing people. So, for instance, if you go back and listen to episode 91 with Woody's story, uh, that's a private prison system that has privatized healthcare. And because they have profit, 
that they have to squeeze out. They take care, they take worse care of the inmates and more inmates die. So, and there's less budget from the state being paid to, to do this. And so there, there's a slippery slope here. There's, there's definitely an, uh, the problems with some of this, but, uh, we don't want monopolies. We want to privatize things without monopolies and have competing services. Correct. Yeah. Ability to fire them and get rid of them or something. Like That's that. exactly right. So reason magazine in an episode called, uh, in an episode in, uh, in an article called cops Inc from 1982, in Reminderville, corporate security outbid the Summit County Sheriff's Department's offer to charge the community 180000 per year for 45-minute response time emergency response services. Uh, they did it by a $90,000 contract for twice as many patrol cars and a six-minute response time. So this private company was able to outbid the Sheriff's Department by saying, we're going to charge you half for double the coverage with seven and a half times faster response. Uh, guess what? They won. Uh, might it be possible that a private police force would be free? So how would it be, how would it be paid for? So Tinsley writes in the, the previously mentioned paper, there are products for which the bother of charging money outweighs the prospects for profit. These products are thus offered free of charge to the individual user, more or less in affiliation with the sale of Kwanduat goods. Examples of this phenomenon abound. Book matches are given away with the, without the sale of tobacco products. Bathrooms, whether in restaurants or department stores or gas stations, are open to customers and the general public alike. Police protection could operate likewise. So the cost is going to be paid for by homeowners associations, businesses, business associations, or even towns. Uh, and so you're not going to have to swipe your credit card every time the police come out. Uh, so the 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 McRib Police Department shows up, um, or, or the simple fact that if you have the police officers going after I don't know like real crimes like that, you can also just have a volunteer police force, right? So if you think that this system sounds fishy, let me tell you how bad the current system is. Okay, and the the greatest highlight of this is Warren v. District of Columbia. It's a 1981 case, the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals. Uh, and uh, Justice Benson, for instance, uh, Benson in this writes, private police have a contractual and legal responsibility to protect their customers. Okay, so a private police force has a contractual and legal responsibility to protect its customers. So do the police... Have any obligation to Chris Spangle to come out and investigate the crime that took place to him? Do the police even have any any responsibility to come out and protect my safety if I make a 911 call? And the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals has judged, no, they owe me nothing in classic fashion. <laughs> so the law of the land says the public police have no obligation to protect their constituents. So let me tell you a little bit about the Warren v. District of Columbia. Now let me warn you, if your kids are still listening to this after all my curses, uh, you're going to want to change the channel because this is a little rough, but this is real life. Um, in the early morning hours of Sunday, March 16th, 1975, Carolyn Warren and Joan Talaferro who shared a room on the third floor of their rooming house in the District of Columbia, and Miriam Douglas, who shared a room on the second floor with her four-year-old, were asleep. The women were awakened by the sound of the back door being broken down by two men later identified as Marvin Kent and James Morse. The men entered Douglas's second-floor room, where Kent forced Douglas to perform oral sex on him, and Morse raped her. 
Warren and Talaferro heard Douglas's scream from the floor below. Warren called 911 and told the dispatcher that the house was being burglarized and requested immediate assistance. The department employee told her to remain quiet and assured her that the police assistance would be dispatched promptly. Warren's call was received by the Metropolitan Police Department headquarters at 623 in the morning. At 626, a call was dispatched to officers on the street with a code 2 assignment. Although calls of a crime in progress should be given priority and designated as a code 1. So they didn't even make it a priority. Four police cruisers responded to the broadcast, three to the Lamont Street address and one to an address to investigate a possible subject. Meanwhile, Warren and Talaferro crawled from their window onto an adjoining roof and waited for the police arrive. While there, they observed one policeman drive through the alley behind their house and proceeded to the front of the residence without stopping, leaning out the window or getting out of the car to check the back entrance of the house. So let me repeat. One policeman drove through an alley, proceeded to the front of the residence without stopping, leaning out the window of the car to check the back entrance of the house. The three officers departed at 6.33. So it took them seven minutes to get to the crime, they did a drive-by. Didn't even knock on the door. Warren and Talaferro crawled back inside their room. They again heard Douglas continuing screams. They again called the police, told the officer that the intruders had entered the home, and requested immediate assistance. Once again, a police officer assured them that help was on the way. The second call was received at 642 and recorded merely as, investigate the trouble. It was never dispatched to any police officers. Believing the police might be in the house, Warren and Talaferro made the mistake of calling down Douglas, alerting Kent to their presence. At knife point, Kent and Morse forced all three women to accompany them to Kent's apartment. For the next 14 hours, the captive women were raped, robbed, beaten, and forced to commit sexual acts on each other and made to submit to the sexual demands of Kent and Morse. Warren and Talaferro and Douglas brought the following claims of negligence against the de- police department. The dispatcher's failure to forward the 623 a.m. call with the proper decree of urgency. The responding officer's failure to follow standard police investigative procedures, specifically their failure to check the rear entrance and position themselves properly near the doors and windows to ascertain whether there was any activity. And three, the dispatcher's failure to dispatch the 642 call. The District Court of Columbia of Appeals affirmed the trial court's dismissal of the complaints against the District of Columbia and individual members of the police department based on the public duty doctrine ruling that, quote, the duty to provide public services is owed to the public at large and absent a special relationship between the police and an individual, no specific legal duty exists. Thus, the court adopted the trial court's determination that no special relationship existed between the police and appellants, and therefore no specific legal duty existed between the police and the appellants. So, according to fine law, the police can ignore your case entirely if you call. Somebody smashed your car windows, somebody stole your bike, somebody mugged you in a dark alley, fine law writes. After a night in the bar, somebody assaulted you while you were drunk. When you go to the police, they refuse to investigate your case. There are a lot of reasons the case, the police won't pursue a case. Maybe the value of your loss is too little. Maybe after an initial look, there's just not enough evidence to warrant further work. Or the bottom line, maybe the police think, think the investigation just isn't worth their time of limited resources and money. Uh, police do not have a legal duty to investigate your crime. So when you call 911, 
you need to be aware that the Monopoly Police Department that covers your jurisdiction is under no legal obligation to respond to your crime and help you protect your property, investigate, or anyone. Now, in reality, do they? By and large, they will if you're in in, – no, they won't because <laughs> you want to go back and you want to listen to Amanda's story and you want to hear how dozens of times this woman took 192 deer photos of her ex-husband leaning in her window and she would call the cops and say, he's stalking me. And they would say, why didn't you just shake your boobs at them at him so we could keep him in the window and we would have caught him? Then they caught him and he said, I was just out for a walk. I wasn't stalking her. <clears throat> he was best friends with the local police sergeant. And then... Uh, he is caught neglecting his two-year-old daughter who's back at the house, which he eventually gets full custody of. That will be in part two. You won't believe it. But uh, I will say Amanda just had a baby and is doing great and is happily married and everybody in the situation is doing fine, uh, as can be. But it is it, the, the follow-up is as bad as the first. She went to... She claims a hundred officers trying to get people to file to file protective order, and nobody would take her case. The prosecutor didn't help. It's a complete failure. CPS didn't stop the molestation of the child in that in that situation. The police, the police, CPS, the prosecutor's offices, all of the monopolies that we have set up that we think protect us do not do shit for us. You have to you have to know somebody to get something done. If you want to get any anywhere on anything, you have to hire a good lawyer and you have to know somebody like an Abdul to help you grease the wheels of justice. So if you are under the assumption that if your stuff gets stolen and you have videotape of it, the police will help you, they won't. They, they just won't do anything in, in most cases. I, I had one of those comments. The guy said, you know, somebody stole my car. I had video of it. I went to every precinct in the entire city of Indianapolis and no one would help me. So this is this is what you are paying for. You are paying to not be protected. Mm-hmm. You are paying to not have your not have your stuff returned to you. You are having uh you, you're getting nothing. Let's be honest. Right. You are on your own. It is it is a false sense of security. And so if you think that uh your second amendment rights don't matter, you need to listen to this episode because they do. Yeah. And they'll have all the money, all the time in the world to sit out on I-70, sit there all day, and just watch speeders go by. They have all the time in the world for that. They're like, that's for public safety. Okay. What about all the times they go after people with plants, sitting out doing concerts, doing stuff like this? They got all the time in the world for that. So they selectively go after things. They know they do. You know, they know what, you know, butters their toast. Mm-hmm. The city of Indianapolis, for the last year and a half, maybe two years now, when someone finally found out that the city of Indianapolis never had a, they got rid of the stolen, uh, what is it? The, I can't remember the, the legal term for the, the stolen car division. I, uh, Indianapolis doesn't have one right now. There is no police department. In Indianapolis, that is, there's no, there's no squad to go after car thefts. They just, they just take reports and put it on a pile because they're going after meth and speeders, petty, petty, uh, petty things that can easily find money off of and, and drugs. Why? Are, because of money. Money. 
So how stuff works, um, police speeding twic- ticket quotas. They did an article about how speeding ticket quotas are a real thing. Uh, they write, The symbiotic relationship between police operating budgets and traffic ticket revenue has long been implied. The fines attached to traffic tickets are supposed to be merely punitive. A slap on the wrist for driving dangerously and a deterrent to disobey traffic laws. However, fines got steeper and cities and towns discovered they liked the money coming in, which made the fines even steeper than before. Then cities started actually depending on ticket revenue. It's like $250 for a parking ticket in D.C. Yeah. <laughs> Counting on money from traffic tickets to make balanced, but balanced budgets. Uh, they now have to write a certain number of tickets. So although some police departments claim there have never been official or unofficial quotas, that's an actual thing. Uh, in 2013, the city of Atlanta came up with a plan to tie police pay increases to ticket revenue. Mm-hmm. See mm-hmm. any problem with that? Yeah. You, get, you get paid more for the more tickets you write? If the recipient of a ticket chooses to challenge the ticket in court and the officer who wrote the ticket doesn't show up, the ticket is dismissed. This is how it is in Indianapolis, for instance. Mm-hmm. I got a ticket dismissed because the cop didn't show up. Police officers were told that they did not have to increase the number of tickets they write under this plan, but they had to spend more time hanging out in court to defend tickets instead of patrolling or engaging in other crime-preventing police duties. This was spelled out in an email sent from the head of the Atlanta Police Union to all union members. When police officers believe or are explicitly told that their pay and promotions depend on how many tickets are issued, the tactics can get a little problematic. Some police officers have come forward to discuss the problem with traffic ticket quotas. Others have actually been investigated by their own departments for engaging in dishonest or fraudulent ticketing. Mm -hmm. And it's safe to deduce that countless others have gotten away with it. This includes practices such as pulling over drivers who haven't done anything wrong and trying to provoke them for an excuse to write a ticket. Actually manipulating or intimidating drivers until they do something wrong. Issuing duplicate tickets or sending tickets to people who are no longer alive and outright lying. Ticket quotas vary, uh, but on average they fall in the range of one per day to 100 per month. In some districts, the officers that meet quotas are given prizes or bonuses, Mm -hmm. and officers that do not meet the quota are punished with poor reviews or bad shift schedules. Meanwhile, um, this is uh, from the Chicago Patch, which is... Uh, a Chicago patch. Meanwhile, actual crimes go unresolved and un- even uninvestigated. Like Chicago, um, the the more they're more focused on making money than looking into criminal activity. They write more than half of the homicides in America's fifty largest cities went unsolved for the past ten years, according to the Washington Post. The Post's analysis of fifty three thousand criminal homicides identified zones within cities where there were more than eight homicides, but the arrest rate was less than thirty percent. In seventy in Chicago, seventy four percent of homicides tracked over the past decade went unsolved, according to the analysis. So this is the results that you're getting for from your your what you're paying for the monopoly yeah. that the government is enforcing. Yeah. So let's you know. So next time you see the the speeding of the traffic cop out there, you see, and then they have the really nice cars. They got the Mustang, or they've got the Corvette, or they got the Treasure. They wrote tickets to get that. You know, that's why you know they're really pushing for like their, you know, undercover car. Like, oh, this is way so they can bust speeders. That's why they want it because if it's really for public safety, you want people to slow down to do the job. You know, the car would be bright white. You could easily see it, and it would force people to slow down. Other things, speed limits are kept artificially low. 
They're too low. It's just like, well, 55 is safe. Maybe for a car built in the 70s with drum brakes and some crappy stuff like that. But we have fuel-injected cars with four-disc, four-disc ABS, and all kinds of different safety features and driving aids. Most of all of these cars can easily do 70-plus and stop, and yeah. enough distance not to hit anything, especially on a road that, hey, you're not supposed to stop on. Right. The The police departments that... They have these sticker coat quotas, the goals they they do do this, and they get these cars for it, and it's and it's this ridiculous culture of that that they have that, right. to get these freak you know, and, and because they like these toys, anyone would like these toys because you don't have to. Well, if you want to get out of that crappy you know that crappy junkie car, just write more tickets. It, it's the problem in, in all government areas, and the problem with bureaucracy in general is it's the incentives you set up, and so when you set up bad incentives, then you set up bad consequences for us mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so the way to fix this is you need to get involved in your local city and state politics and you need to influence local and state politicians and let me tell you those are the people that get elected to congress yep. i personally sat in a room with um you know jim banks who's a congressman now when he was a state senator you know I, i've 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 met personally and talked with the vice president because he served here locally mm-hmm you know, and so these people move on to higher office, and so if you're involved in local politics and state politics, you you meet the people who move up the ladder, and so if you can influence them in a positive way, then you can make a big difference at the national level. But it takes you being engaged. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I realized recently I didn't even know who my city councilor was when this happened. I had no idea. I thought it was somebody else. I, I thought it was Aaron Freeman. Aaron Freeman's now my state senator. No idea that, that it happened. <laughs> you know, and how, who is more informed and engaged in politics than me? And, Jeremiah Moore. Oh, sorry. Yeah. And I didn't even know who my elected representatives were. And it's because I just hadn't paid attention for a couple of years, you know, and mm. so which is easy to do when you've got life going on. And we do a national show. So I'm not looking at local and national politics, but you better believe I am now. Yeah. Well, like, uh, let's see, the city of Keene. Oh, good old Keene, New Hampshire. Um, talk about Rothbard in a second. <laughs> All right, so the the if you don't remember back when they did the the whole Robin Hood of King thing, and they would go around and they would put nickels into parking meters, so the parking enforcers couldn't write tickets at, down in the city of Keene. It was a beautiful time. Everyone did reports on them as they go through. Even the city went there and tried to do cases again. And what they slowly started to find out that the parking enforcers. They couldn't pay them if they didn't write tickets. They didn't have the money to pay them. So they didn't have the money. They needed the the parking violations to pay for the parking enforcers. It's all a big scam. Yeah. <laughs> Keep talking. I'm chewing. Oh, you're fine. <laughs> yeah, and it, and it was just like this crazy mixed up thing. It's like, so you can't pay to like to stop these people from parking if you, you know, if, if so if everyone follow the rules, the way that the rules are supposed to be set up, right? then you can't pay for the system that you created. Well, yeah, but people will break the rules. Why do they break the rules? Because you designed the rules to be broken? Right. You artificially set the times, the the price, they make sure it's an area that people want to park and do stuff like this, so people will break the, you know, breaking the rules just, it freaking happens. You know, it's, because that's, and it's also who a cop would rather deal with. Who would right. rather deal with? Someone who's got great plates, you know, they're not, they're riding clean, and they just get pulled over speeding? Or would you rather deal with theft and having to go and do work? Right. All right, guys. <clears throat> now, let me take you to Libertopia. 
Let me take you to uh, let me take you to fantasy land. So let's say we have a perfect have a perfect libertarian society. Lip pair. What is that? L- libertarian paradise. Right. Lip pair. Uh, let's take you to Murray Rothbard. Who? Uh, darn it! I just grabbed the uh, the the notes here. The sources. I'm sorry. Um, Mises.org slash wire slash privatize dash police uh, is what this is from. This is from uh, Murray Rothbard, who you may know as uh, the deity to most libertarians. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) He's basically the guy who was just such a prolific writer of libertarian anarcho-capitalism. And uh, like if you want if you want pure liberty, then you got to go read Murray Rothbard. And so we wanted to go and take a look at, like, what does Murray say about private police? What's his argument for private police? And there's a lot in this that is, that is really helpful for today. So, so to go to Libertopia, you have to first make, wave a magic wand and assume that all land is, is pr- uh, private land, okay? There's no public land. There's no public spaces. Every square inch is owned by private entities, okay? And so... The, that's uh, the fact that all streets and lands would be private would by itself solve many of the seemingly insoluble problems of private operation. What we need to do is reorient our thinking to consider a world in which all lands are privately owned. So let us take police protection. How would police protection be furnished in a total private economy? Part of the answer comes evident if we consider a world of totally private land and street ownership. Consider Times Square in New York City, a notoriously crime-ridden area when this was written back in the 70s, Mm -hmm. very crime-ridden, where there is little police protection furnished by city authorities. Every New Yorker knows, in fact, that he lives and walks in the streets in Times Square. Virtually every part of New York in uh, in this time was anarchy, dependent solely on the normal peacefulness and goodwill of fellow citizens. So... You can argue that I am living in terms of theft in an anarcho society, an, an, an anarcho. An, 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 is there such a thing as an anarcho monopoly, where there's a monopoly of force, but you, there's still total anarchy, because the police were right across the street, asleep when this happened. <laughs> the car was parked there. That wasn't a deterrent. They stole my stuff. The police didn't do anything about it. These guys are going to come back and hit this entire neighborhood again. Because they know there's no consequences. This is why they do it. This is why they hit multiple cars. There's no consequences to what they're doing. So it is up to me to protect my property. Yeah, they probably already hit the other uh, apartment complexes. Yeah. So I live right by an interstate. And yeah. so what they, they, they do is they, it's not my area that's bad. It's that they come in and come out. And, you know, like Aaron said, they're probably in Cincinnati right now. Mm-hmm. So, so for all intents and purposes, I live in anarchy right now. And this is a huge, huge argument against your friends who don't understand libertarianism. What do you think is happening now? You are living under the false sense that the police are protecting you. When, when your stuff gets stolen, it's anarchy. I am depending solely on the goodwill with my rental car sitting out there. I'm depending solely on the goodwill of other people to not touch that car. Mm-hmm. Because I don't have any protection on that car, and the police certainly aren't going to protect my property either. And even if I had a video camera, they're not protecting my car. Correct. So now I have to make different decisions about where I live, how I park my car. Uh, so, Yeah, and notice how like 99% of the time, anarchy has worked out. Yeah, and notice how when you live in this anarchy, 
most of your stuff is safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, majority <laughs> time, everything is safe. So police protection in New York, or pretty much anywhere, is minimal. Um, so at any rate, the suppose the Times Square area, including the streets, was privately owned, say by the Times Square Merchants Association. The merchants would know well, full know that that if crime is rampant in their area, if muggings and holdups abound, then their customers would fade away and patronize competing areas and neighborhoods. Hence, it would become the economic interest of merchants to supply efficient and plentiful police protection. So the customers would be attracted to, rather than repelled from, their neighborhood. Private business, after all, is always trying to attract and keep its customers. But what good would be served by attractive store displays and packaging, pleasant lighting, and courteous service if the customers may be robbed or assaulted if they walk through the area? The merchants' associations, furthermore, would be induced by their drive for profits and for avoiding losses to supply not only sufficient police protection, but also courteous and pleasant protection. Boy, wouldn't we love some of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure Eric Garner and Philando uh, uh, Castile would have liked some pleasant demeanor from a police officer. Correct. Governmental police have not only no incentive to be efficient or worry about their customers' needs. Let me read that again. Government police have no incentive to be efficient or worry about their quote-unquote customers', customers needs. They also live with the ever-present temptation to wield their power of force in a brutal or coercive manner. Police brutality is a well-known feature of the police system. It is held in check only by remote complaints of the harassed citizenry. But if the private merchants' police should yield to the temptation of brutalizing the merchants' customers, those customers will quickly disappear and go elsewhere. Hence, the Merchants' Association will see to it that the police are courteous as well as plentiful. Such efficient and high-quality police protection would prevail through the land, throughout all private streets and land areas. Factories would guard their streets, merchants their streets, and road companies would provide safe and efficient police protection for toll roads and other privately owned roads. The same would be true for residential neighborhoods. We envision two types of possible street private ownership in such neighborhoods. One type, all landowners in a certain block might become joint owners of that block. Let us say the 85th Street Block Company. This company would then provide police protection, the cost paid by either the homeowners directly or out of the tenant's rent if the street is rental. Again, the homeowners will, of course, have direct interest in seeing that their block is safe, while landlords try to attack tenants mm-hmm. by supplying safe streets in addition to the more usual surfaces, such as heat, water, and janitorial service, which you don't think about. So it would become the same as you don't think about the trash service. It's supplied to you, so so would be protection. To ask why landlords should provide safe streets in the libertarian, fully private society is just as silly as asking now why we should provide them with hot water. Safe and well-patrolled streets will also raise the value of landowners, land and houses in the same way well-tended houses do. Crime-ridden streets will lower the value. Private enterprise does exist, so most people can readily envision a free market in which goods and services take place. Uh, so, the, so the single most difficult area to grasp, however, is the abolition of the government operations in the service of protection, police, the courts, the area encompassing defense of person and property against attack or invasion. How would the private enterprise of the free market possibly provide such a service? How could police, legal systems, judicial services, law enforcement, prisons, how could these be provided in a free market? We've already seen how a great deal of police protection at the least could be supplied by various street owners. But now we need to examine the whole system systematically. 
there is a common fallacy even held by most advocates of laissez-faire that the government must supply police protection as if police protection were a single absolute entity, entity, a fixed quantity of something which the government but that's not true because you've got the sheriff's department, you've got the mm-hmm. local police departments, you've got Southport Police right here uh, where I'm at. I've got three different agencies over me. Correct. It is true that everyone pays taxes for a fixed quantity of protection, but this is a myth. In actual fact, there are almost infinite degrees of all sorts of protection. For any given person or business, the police can provide everything from a policeman on the beat who patrols once a night to two policemen patrolling constantly on each block to cruising patrol cars to one even several round-the-clock personal bodyguards. Furthermore, there are many other decisions police must make, the complexity of which becomes evident as soon as we look beneath the veil of the myth of the absolute protection. How shall the police allocate their funds, which are, of course, always limited as are the funds of all other individuals, organizations, and agencies? How much shall the police invest in electronic equipment, uh, fingerprint equipment, patrol cars, etc.? Uh, the, pl- the point is that the government has no rational way to make these allocations for goods. The government only knows that it has a limited budget. The allocations of funds are subject to full play of politics, boondoggling, bureaucratic inefficiency, with no indication at all as to whether the police department is serving the consumers in a way responsive to their desires or whether it is doing so efficiently. The situation would be different if police services were supplied on free competitive marketplaces. In that case, consumers would pay for whatever degree of protection they wish to purchase. So then it becomes more like cable. So you have right. several different choices that you could choose and c- certain levels of protection. Mm-hmm. If you are somebody that is not comfortable with a gun, although I'm going to be getting more comfortable with owning a gun very soon, uh, <laughs> uh, then I would probably pay a higher package than maybe Harry would. You'd probably choose a lesser s- s- amount of police protection, uh, maybe the blanket, instead of more a more personalized, where I've got a lot of equipment, and so I want to, and I've got a business here, and you don't have a business in your house, so we may make different choices, but at least that choice is afforded to us. I get the two hundred channel package, you get the basic fifty channel package. That's the way you. to put it. How, how dare you? Small, very small package. So. So I won't I won't go all the way, but you can go read that for yourself if you want to hear if you want to read all of it. But uh, I read you the bulk of it. But I just wanted you to think of of this as a service that uh, this is like healthcare. You are not being served with a government healthcare system. You're served by a free market healthcare system. So why is police protection or fire protection any different? And then people want to go back to like the competing fire departments of the day and you know Benjamin Franklin runs up with his company and then they fight over who gets to put out the fire. Like I'm sorry but that's not how that works in 2018. There's sophistication in every industry that isn't regulated. Somehow the tech industry manages to not fight over uh, never mind. They use the government for patent fights. Yeah. But uh well you can even go back to like the mail office and mail delivery. Right. You know, the government you know couldn't compete and had to write law so you couldn't compete with them. Exactly. With delivering the mail. You know, um, when you really go research it, you find out that, you know, it was a private citizen that created a, a mail a mail delivery service because before the post office used to be there, that's where you used to go to get your mail. Someone revolutionized that and said, like, you know what? I'm going to charge and deliver it to people's houses. Yep. What? I'm just going to pick up your mail at the post office, bring it to your house. Oh, you can't make money doing that? Yes, he did. Lysander Spooner? Yep. Okay. Always goes back to Spooner. Yep, strange, huh? So, any final thoughts on this issue? Before I want, I want to talk about a couple things real quick. Um, what the private police? Mm-hmm. 
we technically already have them and people use them. It's just they're so rare now. We call them different things like private investigations or um, uh, what is it? The other term of private and security forces. Yeah. We, we, we have this. We have these situations out there, but they're so it's hard to use them because, you know, most people just, you know, we have to pay for this other ineffective uh, gang that we call police department that just harass us. Right. Yeah. I mean, I look at it and I, I just really, you know, that's why I looked at Hody and I said, find me some research on private police, you know, because it's not something that I've really thought a lot about. You know, I've always kind of known the argument that, you know, the free market will provide and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, when he came back with the Warren case, for instance, and I mm-hmm. looked at it and said, oh, they're under no obligation to help me. Is what am I paying for? I'm forced to pay money for something that they're not going to provide. I'm paying money for a service that was not provided. I was not provided protection. Mm-hmm. I was not provided protection by the apartment complex because their their safety officer was right across the street. How embarrassing. You know, and then one of the staff members got caught on Google reviews trying to fake positive reviews today. And the uh, the community, there's apparently an online community I'm not a part of, and they sussed it out and really went after him. But uh, so, so yeah, I, uh, I, I think it just sort of when something happens to you like this where something you are violated, you know, mm-hmm. and it's not as much of a violation because it was outside the door. Mm-hmm. You know, if somebody had come in the door, maybe it would feel a lot different. But it still is a violation. It still is somebody taking your stuff. That's what's next. You know that, right? Yeah. That's what next. So they're willing to go outside and touch cars. Yeah. Just to hop in a skip the door and now sure. during the daytime. Right. All right. Thanks, Harry. Uh, what? What? They sat there. They did this, right? If they ha- if someone stayed behind and started looking at what the police response was, and it was like not one cop car came here. No, these are guys, I guarantee you, these are guys who run used tire shops in other cities, Yeah, and they go to Indianapolis, and then they drive the two hours to Indianapolis, mm-hmm. steal a bunch of tires, throw them in the truck, and take them back to Louisville. Yeah, Louisville. Cincinnati, Cincinnati Chicago. St. Louis. South Bend, Fort Wayne. Yeah. You know, like, that. that's who these guys are. These guys are professionals. Most times, they steal three tires because the battery runs out on the machine, on their little drill. And they don't get the fourth tire. Mm-hmm. So, like, these guys coming in, stealing half a dozen cars worth of tires, yeah. like, they, they knew what they were doing. Yeah. You know, and they knew what they were looking for because they were stealing from certain brands. Like, these are not people who are busting in the door to steal jewelry. Yeah. Like, these are tire thieves. Yeah. You know, and so, but they know they can get away with it because nobody's ever going to investigate. You Correct, know? Yeah. And so they can just go and sell these brand new tires mm-hmm. and rims. Which, which have serial numbers on them. Right. Yeah. Really. Yeah, the inside of the rim, they have serial numbers on them. Yeah. Well, nobody will ever check, so it doesn't really matter. Oh, yeah. God, What's no, the no. point? Yeah. So. so uh, the person that will check, will it'll probably years from now when it gets to someone that's legitimate, will pull the tire off and go like, huh, this serial number, there's a serial number on here. Let me right. go check this out. Mm, stolen rim. Yeah. And they won't contact me. It's, I wouldn't. It's, I'd just yeah. put a tire on and keep driving. Uh, so I want to move on to a couple stories because we're almost done here. It's it's We ran way behind, but, um, you know. This was really good therapy. I want I want to say thank you for the indulgence because I have been obsessed with this for days. I barely slept last night because of the stress of it all. And so to do this and have my mind distracted for two or three hours on the show has been great. Uh, and so I, I always sleep so well after a show because it's like therapy. Sitting here talking to you people. 
and I just sold one of my microphones, so I'm $300 richer. So uh, I'm feeling great tonight. So uh, who was right? Who was right, Harry? Oh, yeah. You, 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 yeah. Thank you. Who was right? And what was I right about? What was I right about? That uh, Facebook slams independent voices with latest political purge. You were right about Alex Jones. Uh, That's right. You remember when we were sitting here and I was saying, he's the beginning. Well, Mm -hmm. cop block, cop block, which this episode. uh, So here's who the the pages that they went after. They went after anti-vaxxers. They went after Mm anti-police. They went after anti-military and anti-war. They went after fringe libertarians. They went after punk rock libertarians, which is a meme page. Liberty memes, you're up on deck. You know, like they, you know, and the punk rock libertarian guys have a podcast. Like they're not inauthentic, quote unquote. Yeah. Like you can tell the guys who are on the punk. It's just like you can tell it's me, Jeremiah, you, Stone, that participate in We Are Libertarians on the Facebook page. Mm-hmm. It's the same with these guys. You know, they took down Free Thought Project. Photography is not a crime. Right wing news. Uh, and so, you know, the head of the project manager said it was shutting down 559 pages and 251 accounts created to stir up political debate. Allegedly, the targets were guilty of, quote, coordinated guilty inauthentic behavior uh, intended to, quote, mislead others about who they are and what they are doing. The targeted pages and accounts included many pages and their administrators who have gained popularity by voicing ideas outside of the mainstream and st- including skepticism of violent and intrusive police tactics, tactics and support for libertarian ideas. This is from uh, uh, today. Facebook slams independent voices with latest political purge on reason. Uh, we lost a 190,000 page that we started in 2010, Matt Bergman said of punk rock libertarians. Uh, with regard to the reach of the page, sh- it was shut down without warning. I also ran the Daily Liberator page, with that, which had 95,000 people on there. Now we're starting over with a page that has less than 400 people on it. Others purged include Cop Block. Um, I told you some of those names. Yeah. Um, photography is not a crime, which advocates for the right to record government officials in public places, was severely restricted, according to former reasoner Radley Balco. Uh, so they accuse these guys of being spam. These guys are not spammers. Uh, now I never have. I was never a fan of the punk rock libertarian uh, podcast because I just felt it was bad podcast, you know. But those guys, I think, are genuine, and they have their genuine views, mm-hmm. and they were doing absolutely nothing wrong, and they were doing exactly what we do. They were guys who made themselves known. And sharing memes mm-hmm. and sharing stories right. that went against the narrative. Yep. And yeah, so it did a cop block for years. They did that, but for the last few years, I don't know who's been running the page right now, but they have been like they've have did, they've done some misleading stuff on there. Uh, cop block. So what happened with cop block is after Pete Air and um, a demo, a demo, a demo left. It, it kind of, I think it got sold or it was up for yeah. sale and it kind of just fell into disrepute. And, you know, so, so Cop Block was not what it was in 2011, for instance. Right. You know, where, where it was an, an active presence trying to film police officers. But there's definitely, uh, you know, the Atlantic Council and the Daily Caller people and some of these think tanks. They, they've <laughs> clearly been watching who is, who is talking about, who is, uh, Spreading an anti-government message. Correct. You know, and and what's disturbing about this? Here, here's the thing: the arguments are over. 
All right. The arguments for well, if you build if uh, you build your platform on somebody else's platform, don't expect it's true. You're right. These guys built their empire on Facebook. They mm-hmm. built it on somebody else's sand. But we've all done that. There isn't a there isn't a brand that hasn't done that. I I have built my brand on multiple different online services. Nobody has firewalled themselves more than Alex Jones. He's on satellites. He's on multiple video streamers. He's mm-hmm. on multiple audio streamers. He's on radio stations. He's mm-hmm. on. He's got multiple streams of income. The communists, the Antifa crowd, the progressive aggressive left, the regressive left. Uh, shout out to Freedom Tunes. Um, have cannibal are cannibalizing him. They started with the twenty platforms. Then they went after his podcast host. They went after his hosts. They went after his billing services. They went after his suppliers. So he can't supply Superman Vitality anymore because his suppliers won't work with him because of political pressure. They've shut down his PayPal. Like they they, they are they're going for obliteration. Right. And so I'm sorry, but if you're making the property rights argument at this point, if you're making the argument of well, you shouldn't build your house and other, you're arguing you're being an uh, you're being an, uh, a useful idiot for communists. Mm-hmm. Like the, you have to decide at some point. Yeah, because when when the when the white wall of Alex Jones completely falls, those white walkers are coming for us, and we are way less prepared because we don't have twenty years of preparation like Alex Jones does. Yeah, the the cop blocks and the punk rock libertarians of the world. I told you that they were next. The Tom Woods and the We Are Libertarians are next. We mm-hmm. will not. We will not have our Facebook page by twenty twenty. I guarantee it. We're almost to a hundred thousand. We have we have good reach. We post memes. We post a lot of articles, but most of the articles that I post are from the Washington Post. Mm-hmm. Mine are mainstream articles, so I'm trying to be crafty about it. But it's not going to matter because right. when we get to the 2020 election, these people will do everything they possibly can to win. Correct. And that means silence us. And so if you're a libertarian out there and you're making the property rights argument, there isn't a libertarian that disagrees with you. But you're making an argument that gives comfort, aid and comfort to communists that want to shut you and me up. So I have no tolerance for you. I will feed you to the communists first. Yeah. Like you're the ones going to them first because I'm just done with you. Yep. Like if you don't get it at this point that we are under attack by people that do not believe in individual liberty, it doesn't mean that you have to side with the right. It means that you have to understand that Democrats are not your friends. At least most of the Democrats in the vein of Bernie Sanders and Ocasio-Cortez. These are not your friends. These are the people that will be use you as useful idiots until it's time to destroy you. Mm-hmm. And, and that has been shown in every era of history. So if you are a, a, a left-leaning libertarian with sympathies towards Democrats, I understand that. And there are lots of good Democrats, and those are not the people I'm talking about. But if you're going to make the argument that you, should shut, that you should shut people down and there's consequences, and you're making arguments for uh, your Facebook page being shut down by 2020. I guarantee you. Oh, yeah. Ignore me. It's fine. You can ignore me. You can say I'm being anti-property rights or whatever, but you're going down with the ship. Yep. And so you can either do what a good consumer does and scream and say, this isn't right. I'm a consumer and I want to see these updates. This is not fake news to me. Or you can just keep your mouth shut and you know say nothing. And then when all of your favorite libertarian meme pages shut down, you have yourself to blame. Correct. But you have to make a choice now. This is the choice. Are you with people who believe in individual liberty and their right to speak up, or are you just going to sit down inside with communists and be a little pussy? 
because this is the choice. Like it's, I'm not one to make enemy. I'm not the one to declare enemies. I'm not the one to to be divisive. I, you know that listening to the show, but I'm telling you, the Alex Jones thing opened my eyes. Mm-hmm. It was it was a major turning point for me. It, it, it is it is clear to me that these people, like Eric Holder, Hillary Clinton, these people are going to stop at nothing to keep us from speaking out. And right. what's going to happen is you're going to end up with a sanitized version of news with partners like the New York Times and CNN. Mm-hmm. Go read the Elizabeth. Let's talk about the Elizabeth Warren thing. Did you see the headlines from the BBC and CNN and some of these other, you know, study a study shows significant Native American blood in in uh, her DNA. You know, the Boston Globe, who was the first to report it, thank God, actually wrote a really decent headline. Warren releases results of DNA test as opposed to trying to make her look like this is why they do this stuff is because they know that the, the, the media is just going to cover for them. Right. I'm sorry, but you're either going to side with libertarians who are being silenced on social media outlets or you're going to side with uh, you know, who's the CNN guy, not Brian Stelzer, but the other one, Oliver Darcy, who, who actively tries to shut up opponents because he wants to be the only voice that you hear. Mm-hmm. So you're either like it's us against them time. Like, that's just how it is. Like, you have to realize that if you believe in individual rights and you believe in limited government and you believe in civil liberties and you believe in freedom and you believe in the libertarian cause, then you cannot ever make an argument that gives aid and comfort to the people that are trying to shut us up. Because when we disappear, it's it's going to be really, really, really hard. Because when they shut me down on Facebook, then they're going to go to my podcast host. Then they're going to go to Patreon. They're going to go to MasterCard. Then they're going to go to PayPal. Then they're going to go to... It, it yeah. doesn't end. Like the there isn't. It isn't a matter of cleaning up Facebook. It's a matter of annihilating voices that are don't side with big government power. Yep. So you're either siding with limited government people, or you're not. The time is, it's a time of choosing. So you either stand with free speech principles or you don't. Mm-hmm. So nobody denies property rights, but get your head out of your fucking ass. Yep. Morons. I'm, yep. I'm just, like, it just makes me crazy. Like, how do they not get it? Yeah. The only thing that has brought me joy, Harry, is Elizabeth Warren. Oh, yeah. That is, that is, does bring me joy. I don't understand why she did it. I, I don't get it either. So way down, let me let me go through this. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven paragraphs before you actually find out the truth. Mm. Uh, lead paragraph in the Boston Globe. Senator Elizabeth Warren has released a DNA test that provides strong evidence. <laughs> she had Native American in her family tree dating back six to ten generations. An unprecedented move by one of the top 2020 contenders. An unprecedented move. Like, what does that mean? It just makes her seem bold yeah uh warren whose claims to native american blood have been mocked by trump and other republicans provided test results to the globe on sunday she planned an elaborate rollout on monday which she aimed for widespread attention and boy did she get it elizabeth warren what were you thinking here here's the results um uh the inherent imprecision of the six-page DNA analysis could provide fodder for Warren's critics. If O.C. Sarah Smith were fully native, that would make Warren up to one thirty-second native. But the generational range based on the ancestor that the report identified suggests she's between one sixty-fourth 
and one 1,024th Native American. The report notes there could be missed ancestors. To get Native American blood, they had to, he had to rerun the DNA against Peruvian, Bolivian, and Colombian blood. Not actual North American Native blood. Oh. So Sarah Smith was from South America. So if you don't understand what this is all about, basically what she did so, is she she claimed Native American status. So so I'm my, I, I have I understand what she did. Okay, like because, a, like what? Portuguese that went from down from South America to came up to England and right. banged some white people. Right. So my family has told me I'm one sixteenth Cherokee and Choctaw. So my love that so my dad my mom's dad's mom was supposedly one hundred percent Native American, mm-hmm. Cherokee and Choctaw. So which makes me one sixteenth Cherokee. Like I could get reparations from the government. I have a cousin on my mom's side that does get reparations from the Cherokee Nation, and so I have no idea if this is true. You know, we could go back and we could look at this ancestor and it could show that she was, you know, imported from Germany or something. Right. But, you know, so she told this story. And so when I said this once, uh, an engineer at, at a radio station I worked at said, you, you aren't you aren't a minority, are you? And I said, I'm 116th Native American. He wrote me down on the EEOC thing as Native American. Oh, no. So it looked like they had a minority mm-hmm. Native American person working there. But it was me. I'm as white as a ghost. And so she's she fudged it. She fudged it for scholarships. She fudged it to get jobs. She was, you know, supposedly the first Native American hired by Harvard Law. You know, what it is is it's intersectional politics. She's got nothing going for her because she's a white woman and nobody likes white women, according to the New York Times. And so she's fighting Cory Booker and Kamala Harris and all these people with intersectional backgrounds. And so she's trying to she's trying to join the club. Yeah. You know, and so she's lying. She's flat out lying. And so Trump has called her Pocahontas, which mm-hmm. is hilarious. And he has basically, you know, said this isn't true. And I'll challenge you to a million dollars if you take a 23andMe test. Mm-hmm. And so she did it. Why she released it, I'll never know. I think she thinks that this looks like strength. Yeah. But it makes her look like a moron, like she's lying about it. And the Cherokee Nation went after her. And the memes are savage. And mm-hmm. I mean, like, scalping her hair savage <laughs> like like killing custer savage yeah, okay was, uh, yeah. the memes are are great no punches pulled which you can go find on the we are libertarians instagram because we've been collecting them you know and so i don't get why she released this because it's not good for her this is like the, one of those little things those weird things that can destroy a presidential hope like you know um macaca with uh, george allen in virginia or when Trump said low energy Jeb, that was it. Mm-hmm. Low energy Jeb was the end of Jeb Bush. Right. It killed him. He yeah. was the front runner and Trump killed him with uh, three words. Yeah. Low energy Jeb. Just like the doctor. Yeah. So sleepy, sleepy Dr. Carson. You know, so it's like those little things that uh, I don't know why she just keep this to yourself because mm-hmm. it's hysterical. I mean, this is the funniest thing. It just shows you the level of lying that somebody like uh, Elizabeth Warren or one of these politicians will go to. And also the Trumpian nature of politics. They all want to be Trump. And so they're all just pulling these stunts. It's Trumpsonian. Okay. Yeah. Trumpsonian. All right. So that that's the explanation of the Warren story. All right, Harry, final thoughts for the episode. Uh, I just, oh man, it's just <clears throat> one. I can't wait to get Spangle and his $500 Subaru beater. Um, 
looking for those. So, uh, you know, it's going to be great. Um, he's going to love joining the Hoopty fleet. He's going to understand the joy of owning a Hoopty. Uh, the other thing with private police is like, I, you know, I mix you, you, it sucks that sometimes, you know, to open people's eyes on, you know, this world, you know, bad things gotta have to happen to you sometimes yeah. and you have to like see it. You know, I'm not saying I was free from that. Bad things happen to these police. So, you know, that's how I understand like, Hey, you know, it's not that their job, I don't think is useless. It's just like, dude, I've been harassed by this monopoly and there's nothing I could have done with it. There's nothing I can do with it. Yeah. And that's the problem. You know, if I got, you know, you know, if, um, Wendy's, you know, savagely attacked my Twitter page. You know what? I'll just go to the Burger King. <laughs> Damn you, Wendy's. But, you know, and then when it comes to this Elizabeth Warren thing, yes, the memes are savage and it is ridiculous. And I kind of, I appreciate the Cherokee Nation for, um, you know, standing up. It's like, hey, heck no, this isn't right. Because, you know, it also, I, she really should have done this because all this is going to do is break, it's going to churn up this, which is, could be a good thing. It's just to give people knowledgeable of like the, you know, the $5 Cherokee or these $5 Indian tales that have been, you know, that has, sh- it's a dark part of American history where people were, um, you know, some tribes were low on cash were selling, you know, tribal heritage, quote unquote tribal heritage for $5. Right. So, you know, it's good thing for people to learn. Um, um, the other thing is before I pass this thing off this bangle is I'm actually shocked that you never heard about that, um, the Warren case and the DC Warren case. No, never. Oh, I've, I've, you know, that was, I remember the first time I heard that and it just like, this rocked me to the core because like this can't be real. Yeah. And I was, and the, and the worst thing when you share that is send that to somebody, somebody, especially these uh, liberal communists is that they're like, well, that's Washington. Yeah. Yeah, shout out to Hody for for uh, for great research. A couple things that you should be aware of uh, that you're going to start hearing a lot about. I want you to notice some trends. My job is to notice trends. Okay, some people are like you generalize a lot. No, my job is trends. All right, you, you just you listen to me. I'm telling you the trends before they happen. <laughs> you're you're starting to see in the news all the time. Republicans are stealing ballots in Georgia. They're they're limiting ballot access in Georgia. They're the 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 online trends are going for Republicans in midterms on the New York Times today. You're starting to see. So you remember that chilling moment when Donald Trump said he wouldn't accept the reality of the election, mm-hmm. and I just that was the most horrifying moment of the 2016 campaign. I could care about the locker room talk of the grabber by the pussy, right? Trump saying he wouldn't accept the election, that was a horrifying moment because that is a breaking of our election system. That is something you cannot come back from. And lo and behold, thanks to Russia and other things, that is what the Democrats have done. It's, it's all, for all their fake moralizing about how, you know, this is not America, this is not who we are. The press and the, and the liberals, let's not, let's all be honest. They're all lockstep at this point. It, it it's just insane. The, the the greatest thing about Donald Trump is that he has completely exposed the media and the insane left for what they are. Correct. And everybody can see what it is. It's like they will go to bat for Elizabeth Warren even when she's lying about her Native American heritage. Right. They will just make whatever up to be anti-Trump. And I got to tell you, you go watch that 60 Minutes piece with Trump. He beat the crap out of Leslie Stahl. He made Leslie Stahl look foolish. Like, Donald Trump almost looked presidential. And I'm telling you right now, if Donald Trump can just keep his mouth shut and can just look presidential in the few times that he's shown, Mm -hmm. he's going to win re-election. Because what happens is 
it drives them so crazy that the left and the media just start like losing their mind in public and that becomes the story and everybody starts to see it. it's that's why I believe in nonviolent action. When you sit there and let people beat you with f- fire hoses and dogs, mm-hmm. everybody goes, whoa, all right, I wasn't for the black people, but I'm not for the dogs. Right. You know, And so that's kind of what I think Trump is doing right now by staying out of the Kavanaugh thing, by mm-hmm. being quiet, by you know, not saying out- terribly outrageous things until he called uh, Stormy Daniels horse face, which who's going to defend Stormy Daniels? <laughs> but uh, not a horse face. Very, she looks like a lovely woman. Uh, very, very uh, aggressive. Thirty nine years old, though. But um, you know, so Trump, Trump is at a point where <sighs> Glenn Beck made this point, and I know. But Glenn Beck made this point, and I will also say: Do you remember back in the day when everybody called Glenn Beck crazy for talking about the coming insurrection and the organizing groups on the left who are violent, dangerous protesters and? Mm-hmm. The, the Muslims want to create a caliphate and then ISIS popped up. Like, I remember. Pepperidge yeah. Farm remembers. But, you know, Beck, Beck made the point that do you think that they, the left would be losing their mind that, that big government types in the Council on Foreign Relations and the media would be losing their minds if they were winning? <laughs> they wouldn't. And so we're really at a moment. And, and I want to say to people like Rob and Tad – I'm I'm I I'm not going to vote for Trump. I'm not a Trump supporter, but I will say I do see what people like Greg, Tad and Rob are saying that he is the thing that will expose the other side and give small government individual liberty loving non-interventionist a chance because he's carving out a space by absorbing all of the bullshit for people to kind of go Okay, I see what they are, and I'm not voting for them. I'm going to vote for these guys. So I do, I do think that that is something that that I have started to see kind of gel together. But what you're seeing in the news now, trend number one, is you are seeing, um, you are seeing uh, stories being planted now about how the midterms are being stolen by the Republicans. So if the blue wave isn't as big as it should be, or if the Republicans maintain both chambers, the the stories will be they stole the election. Correct. They they gerrymandered the election. They rigged the voting rolls. Like it's just never like it's never going to stop. And so they've done exactly what they said that they were against in 2016. So if if uh, if you want to if you want you, you really have to look at this, and there may be truth in what the what they're saying. But at the same time, the Russian narrative of bots are controlling the election, you're going to see that every cycle now. It's always going to be the Russians. The Democrats aren't losing because they have bad candidates or they have bad behavior. It's the Russians. It's the Republicans stole it. It's all this other bullshit. So although, you know, oh, the dead vote in Chicago. So the Republicans do it to the Democrats, too. The other thing, the Council on Foreign Relations today, thanks to Tad for sending this along, Disinformation on steroids, the threat of deep fakes. It's published today. Mm-hmm. Now, this is something that I've heard a lot about. Deep fakes are basically video technology where we're now at a point where you can basically fake. You, because there's so much of me on video, for instance, you can go back and you can craft me saying whatever you want because you have so much of my voice, you have so much of my image because we have you know 100 episodes on video now on YouTube. So right. go like the YouTube channel. That you can then create me saying whatever you want. 
So if you want me to say, you know, I am X, Y, and Z, and I support terrorist X, Y, and Z, you could probably go back and find episodes about ISIS, create this deep fake, and it's undetectable. First was talked about by Alex Jones, then Glenn yep. Beck started talking about it. Jones was talking about this years ago. Mm-hmm. Now the Council on Foreign Relations is talking about it because they're they're worried that the alt right and the the, the those stealing democracy, aka anybody who's against globalism, is going to start deep faking and start wars and false flags. So the Council on Foreign Relations is basically promoting false flags. The idea of false flags. So, <laughs> so beware that now that's going to be a thing where you're now you're now not even allowed to trust your eyes, which it is terrifying because wars could be started, whatever. So, so make sure that you check all that out. All right, this has been a very long episode. I thank you for sticking with us. I hope you got a lot out of it. We appreciate it. We love you, especially Jason Doolittle, Craig DaCosta, Christy Avery, the Libertarian Coalition. You guys rule. Thanks to all our Patreon supporters for supporting us. And, uh, hey, we'll see you tomorrow. I got nothing else. Too much. Thanks, Harry.